genre. It's Franchiseography, the podcast that digs deep into the entire filmographies of Hollywood's biggest film franchises. I'm Scott Corelli. I'm Nick Jimenez. Today, we are beginning our mini-series on the Rocky franchise with the original underdog story that went the distance. It's 1976's Rocky. And we have a guest joining us to talk about celebrating the bicentennial in the land of opportunity, Punching beef for the press and pet shop romance <laughs> is podcaster and returning guest Niall McGowan. Welcome. Hey, how's it going, everybody? Ooh, I made it. <laughs> I apologize. That's I'm just getting the first Stallone impression out of the way because you guys are going to be dealing with that for like the next <laughs> what nine weeks or whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Good. Good job. Yeah. So, so welcome. We haven't had you on since uh, Scream 3, mm. which was an early one for us. Yeah, I have to, I have to um, say, because I was uh, at that point, I had not listened to franchiseography. And since I have become a, a, a convert, I am like, it's like, you guys are doing great work. So I was like, if I knew it was this good when I was on the first time around, like, I would have done everything exactly the same, quite frankly. <laughs> but, you know, <laughs> but now I'm very, I'm, now I'm even more honored to be, uh, to be asked back because I know how good the show is. Oh, thanks so much, Niall. Mm-hmm. Happy to um, so Rocky is um, last year we did a mini series on a little film franchise called Spy Kids, <laughs> and that was our our last mini series that was chosen by you all, the listeners on Twitter um, and Patreon in a in a bracket style tournament, um, and uh, we did that again. And Rocky came out on top against Batman. Yeah, Nile. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'll say, I'm, to be fair, I'm happy to hear it because, like, hey, st- you know, <laughs> like, stay in your lane, guys. Like, <laughs> we're still, we're still in the middle uh, of all that. All right. <laughs> uh, I, I just listened to your show for research um, for that uh, <laughs> for that mini series. Just play excerpts. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so. Um, this is the the second uh, winning listener uh, tournament, and um, you know we we were talking about this sort of at the time when it was announced, but um, just the the sort of uh, uh, coincidental um, you know connection that we that Nick and I both have to these respective franchises with you know uh, Nick and the the sort of uh, Latin American. Uh, heritage thing with spy kids and then now this with the italian american thing for me um so yeah this is a really meaningful uh franchise for me um and uh i'm gonna have a lot to say Mm. about all of it um but uh let's start with 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 you niall um when did you first start watching the rocky movies do you even remember the first time that you saw these movies oh no no the uh the rocky franchise for uh, any child of the 80s and 90s is sort of like this it's like a big nebulous cloud 
Uh, I would mm-hmm. akin it almost to uh, the Police Academy movies in that, like, growing up with Police Academy, after, like, when you're a kid, they're just on all the time, and it kind of becomes difficult to differentiate which one is which. So you're always like, which sure. which sketch is in, like, Police Academy 2? No, that's in the fifth one. Blah, 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 blah. Rocky's a little <laughs> bit easier because you can kind of go, okay, so it's all essentially kind of the same movie every time, but mm-hmm. it's like, oh, the fifth one is Tommy Gunn, and the third one is Mr. T, and the fourth one is the robot, and now the fourth <laughs> one doesn't have the robot anymore. So I don't know what this new generation is going to make up when they try to come to differentiate in the Rockies. <laughs> but it was always one of those things that, yeah, they're all sort of melded together and they were just on TV constantly. Uh, and I, yeah, I, I'd seen them all and sort of knew, like, you know, the whole story. It wasn't until um, after growing up a little bit. Uh, and, you know, I, I always enjoyed them when I was little. It was just like, yeah, it's Rocky. Like, I, yeah, it's, it's great. I love it. I love this Stallone guy. Uh, and because in the 90s, of course, was the era of, you know, well, it was the tail end of the era of Stallone because obviously the 80s was the big period. But he was still having mm-hmm. like, you know, you get the Demolition Man and stuff like that, which obviously not massive hits for him, but he was still very much in the cultural <sighs> ether. Uh, he was already de- an demo- icon. Yes. It's kind of yeah. like when you're born unto the reign of a Caesar. Right. You you don't remember a time when Stallone wasn't like right. Stallone. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then... I think after a while, just sort of like, yeah, you know, the Rocky films were kind of a thing that were in my childhood. And it's like, yeah, I know, I know those movies. I love those movies. Uh, kind of forgot about them. And then in around 2006 was when Rocky Balboa came out. And I was like, well, I got to rewatch the first one at least to get up to speed for this one. And then so watching Rocky itself, 1976, in a singularity, been struck then with a kind of more mature mind of like, oh. This is actually like a really good movie. <laughs> like this is this is a proper movie. This isn't like we bought Polly a robot. Like this is this is an actual film that's actually quite like it's part of the new Hollywood. Like it's still in that kind of tail end of the new Hollywood because it's kind of getting into what Hollywood would morph into after Jaws and after Star Wars and stuff with you know fra- mm-hmm. franchises. Um, but it has that veneer about it of like no, this was made to be a serious film that also just happened to like win the audience's hearts with a real feel-good kind of vibe and then spawned a, a huge thing that ended up becoming, like, just, you know, cheesy AF, basically, as, as it went on. But, um, but yeah, yeah, so uh, I still love Stallone, d- despite all his... Despite a little of the, you know, the, the crap he has made throughout the years, he's a, a very mm-hmm. charming presence. And I, yes. But I, I always would hold this up. This and, like, Copland has been, like... Take the guy yeah. seriously because he knows what he's doing yeah. a lot of the time. I I wish Copland had done better because I think that there was there was an opportunity for him to become like have like a second wind as like a serious dramatic actor. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and uh, unfortunately that movie didn't do well. I also wish James Mangold would like cast him again in something. Mm. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe Sly has no interest because. Hey, I gained all that weight for Copland, and everybody made fun of me mm. because of your movie. You know, I don't know. The fact James um, Mangold now has the, he had the opportunity to have old Harrison Ford and old Stallone running around together with 
bull whips and boxing gloves. Yeah. But hey, who's to say True. movie's not out yet? Maybe that's maybe that's secretly what's going to happen. But, oh my god, that would be incredible. Um, Nick, what about what about you? Do you do you have any memory of seeing these for the first time? This this franchise, or was it just sort of always part of your your consciousness, your your film consciousness? Definitely both. Uh, you know, like like Niall said, like growing up in I don't even think America, but just in in the world in mm-hmm. the '90s, you you grew up just seeing the iconography. I mean, Rocky is you know a, a American myth. You know, like him running up the stairs. You know, Adrian cutting mm-hmm. Mick. Literally uh, has statues built to him at this point. Like, yes, yeah, absolutely. And that being said, I do have a, a really cool like specific memory of. Uh, this was during the time when I was going to my local library and checking out old DVDs as sort of like a free film school. And uh, I was seeing films like, you know, Angels with Dirty Faces uh, on the waterfront. And that was the context in which I first sat down with Rocky as a film. Mm-hmm. And it blew me away. Uh, I, I think Niall's comparison to New Hollywood is very apt. And mm-hmm. It's so interesting to watch this first movie and see that it has more, it does feel more like a Mean Streets or like a Coppola film than, it, it's almost like the breath of the American dream where it starts off, you know, like like Rocky, This even this first Rocky is a fantasy, but it's a fantasy with grit mm. and weight and darkness to it. And this, this and, movie's like two whispers away from Rocky getting killed in the ring at the end. And that just yeah, being that being yeah. the bummer new Hollywood ending of like, well, <laughs> everything sucks, right? <laughs> like, don't don't dream, kids. <laughs> we 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 would eventually get there, but it would also feature a birthday robot. So you know, <laughs> right? Which kind of feels like you know, the, by the time you know the 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 bloat and the you know the ugly side of American culture, where it's all a facade, and it it feels like we're not grappling with our own like darkness anymore. Um, mm-hmm. I'm sure I'll find interesting. So I, I like all I like all the Rocky movies. Spoilers, yeah. mm. but we'll yeah. get into what makes what works and what doesn't work with the sequels. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so Rocky for me, you know, growing up in in a very um, Italian American family, uh, the thing that the thing is like, look, Italians are white, right? And so when you talk about things like media representation and things like that, like. A lot of people will roll their eyes because they're just like, hey, you're white. Like, shut shut the fuck up. Like, you don't you don't it doesn't matter. Like your media representation doesn't matter because it's not visual. Like you're you're white. If you don't want anyone to know that you're Italian American, no one would know. Right. Um, And what I grew up with in terms of like media representation as an Italian American, it's all mob movies. Everything. Mm. Everything. Everything is a mob movie. It's either the mob or they're criminals or they're, you know, part of a gang or or greaser or like whatever. Like it's always that. They're always scum. Mm. Um, always. For me, Rocky represents the kind of the only, even to this day, <laughs> sort of the only positive representation for an Italian American. In cinema, I mean, like any major thing, right? I can't like, believe you're throwing are... out Hayden Christensen and Emma Roberts in Little Italy, Scott. I mean, they, 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 listen, they, they didn't make that uh, movie hey, for hey, nothing, all right? <laughs> hey, 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 listen, listen. 
If you knew how many times I watched that movie for that, for just for the simple reason that, like, wow, it's a rom com about Italian Americans <laughs> where no one's a bad guy, like that. I, I'll be honest, I've watched it many, many times. It is a terrible your, movie, but I watch it all the time. <laughs> it's your Desperado. Yeah, right. Someone yeah. Over, they're both from Spain. Like, shut up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Neither of them are, are Italian-American. I don't care. <laughs> this movie takes place in Canada. <laughs> um, yeah. But I, 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 I take it and I watch it. And there's a, there's another uh, a great movie that I, I discovered a couple years ago called Feast of the Seven Fishes, which is a Italian American Christmas Eve tradition, and, and it's a sort of like coming of age movie set in the mm. early eighties. That's like Skyler, really, really great. Skylar Gizmodo, yeah. as I recall, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, really, really great. It's got Joey Pants in it, <laughs> you know. Um, so, uh, uh, but like largely speaking. Not a lot of Italian American like representation that is like positive in any way, um, and even in this movie, you know, I think that Stallone is while he's commenting on himself as an actor by being this thumbbreaker, right? Um, in the beginning of this, uh, I think it's also very representative of like. No one is going to believe that an Italian American isn't beating the shit out of people for 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 money. Also, um, at this time in cinema, so like to in order to tell the story of Rocky, like we have to start him in that place uh, before we we show the audience, we teach the audience that like no, like he looks like a leg breaker, but he would never actually do that, mm. um, and it actually gets him in trouble a lot, right? I I think like a lot of like like a lot of guys when I watch Rocky. As a franchise, I think about my dad and, Mm -hmm. you know, my dad, I think like the kind of the arc of a certain American, like male of a gender of of his generation is like, you know, he came from like a rough neighborhood, lived the life that he went out of his way to make sure I wouldn't have to experience firsthand when I was born. And then he slowly came up economically and find himself like not buying a robot for his friend, <laughs> but you know, like, Oh my God, I have like a pool. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I never imagined. And so it's like, it's a weird, like that, that, like that's part of his reality. And that's not something that he should be like ashamed. Cause I think of like the Cholo archetype and how sometimes that can be like, Oh, why is this? But I'm like, well, those are, I have cousins that, that that's the reality. That's my family. I don't see it as necessarily something to like, take a blind eye to right Mm. right yeah um it's so so like just you know this this story um and and it being an italian american um you know this was like a big deal for my family i mean like you know we would watch the mob movies because the best mob movies have a lot of scenes with italian americans just like acting like italian americans and then you know, and then the two family. scenes later, yep. they they fucking murder somebody brutally. <laughs> but but like you know, uh, that's that's the reason why like you know you love things like um, the Godfather movies. Mm. Uh, you know, because Coppola put in the cooking scenes and and stuff like that. And we were just so desperate for any sort of positive representation that we would take those scenes outside of the context of all of the brutal killing and mm. everything. 
Um, and Greta Grota resents you know, Martin good. Scorsese for being so good at making these mob movies of like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, all right, uh, it's excellent, but still, man, come on, make like, make one about like a, like yeah. a guy who owns a restaurant or, or something. Come on, give me something else. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Um, so you know, like, and you, you got Goodfellas and 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 later The Sopranos, you know, and all of these things. And I think it it it's also um, it adds another element to like. Italian American culture, especially um, the men, which is this sort of masculine, tough guy thing that creates this sort of toxic masculinity throughout our culture that has just perpetuated generation after generation after generation because the only media representation that we have are guys who are in the mob who act like Italian Americans, but then. You know, you uh, look at their girlfriend wrong and you you get stabbed in the neck with a shiv, you know, mm. um, and uh, and and so Rocky is just like I, I really glommed on to Rocky um, the first time that I saw it as a kid. And like as a kid, I, of course, remember the later ones um, or I guess more like the middle ones, like three and four, mostly because three and four were like the cartoony ones. Yeah. Right. So like everything was like larger than life. And, and so like, those were the ones that I remembered the most. Um, and then the older that I got, um, the more that I, I learned that I, I really enjoyed the other ones. Mm. Um, just as much. I mean, it's, 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 and, when you're a kid uh, too, you're saying like, it's Rocky versus He-Man and Mr. T. Yeah. Like B.A. Barakas. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh wow. I'll, I'll definitely want to see that one. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but these were movies that I, watched every Thanksgiving with my grandpa. Um, you know, the family would get together for Thanksgiving and that whole weekend, me and my grandpa and early in life, my uncle Sonny, um, and, and we would all get together and we would watch the Rocky movies because it was like, it was, it was just, it was nice. And I, so I've always associated, that's why we're doing this in November. Um, this is why you're, you're hearing this in November is because I've always associated these movies with Thanksgiving, the holidays. Um, and, uh, and, and, and so like, this is just family to me, like watching these movies together and having a movie that like doesn't turn halfway through, um, you know, when, when all of the characters learn what cocaine is. Uh, and suddenly the whole mood, the tone of the There's movie always one shifts. guy who's like yeah. the first to get cocaine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, uh, uh, yeah. So like, I just, I, I, I just, I adore this film. I adore this whole series. Um, and I'm really excited to get into it and, uh, and talk about this. Um, there's this, like, there's just, like, one of the, one of the things that I, I really noticed this time watching it is like this, that great scene where, um, Apollo is talking up Rocky on TV and he's like, even if he's, he's like, he's Italian American and the press says, well, what does that mean? He's like, if he's not a good fight, if he, if he can't punch good, well, you could probably cook, um, which is like, I was like, yeah, <laughs> like, that's great. Um, I, I, I love that shit. Uh, so, um. Anyway, uh, these these movies uh, mean a lot to me, and and that's the other thing too is I think like pop culture remembers these movies as macho, masculine, like the one the one two punch of like Rambo and Rocky, yeah, right, yeah. 
Um, and I and and so like everyone sort of sees these as these like mega masculine like movies, Reagan like, era American yeah. heroes. Totally, yeah, totally working out but montages like, over and over and over right. again. <laughs> right, right, absolutely. That's what pop culture remembers these movies. But if you actually watch them, they're romantic and sweet and soft. And like the majority of the movies, all of them have nothing to do with boxing. Mm. Um, most of them are just about this guy's life who came from poverty and, and, you know, what becoming a celebrity means, what becoming rich means and like how all of these things affect his life as this guy who came from nothing. Um, and I am just sort of like grateful to, to Stallone for making movies like this um it's just they're one of a kind the rocky movies mm. um well not so much anymore because i think <laughs> i think the creed movies do a very good job of continuing that legacy um but uh i just uh, mm. man i, mean, love I, I will love say like too because i'm uh, I was, you know almost feels a bit too harsh with my comparison to uh police academy earlier in mm-hmm. that some of the police academy <laughs> movies are unwatchable they're that bad but all of the Rocky yeah. movies are watchable. <laughs> like they're always yes. enjoyable. Even Rocky Five, which is a lot of people consider to be the lowest point, is still like no, that's yeah, I could sit down and watch Rocky Five and, and enjoy the hell out of it oh, because yeah. a lot of it again is because of Stallone. It's like that man is well, he, he draws you in. Like he is like a siren. Yeah. Guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, the thing with Rocky Five, and we'll get there, but like the the problem with Rocky Five is nothing to do with the movie. It's everything to do with expectations because it breaks the formula. Mm, mm. Um, Because it breaks the formula, everyone turned on it. Everyone wanted the formula. Everyone was used to it. Um, And and that movie breaks the formula. And, you know, there is no fight at the end with Rocky. The fight is a street fight, you know? Um, and, and it's about teaching this youngster a lesson, you know? <laughs> and so, and, and that's not a movie like everyone just wanted another Rocky four. And, and I think that Sly very smartly knew there's nowhere to go after four. Mm. Like I, we can't, we can't like, <laughs> I can't go the cold higher. War. What do you want me to do? Yeah, I can't, I can't go higher than single-handedly ending the cold war. <laughs> like I gotta go back. We gotta scale it back and, and kind of start over. Um, and uh, I think ultimately Creed is a better version of Rocky Five, mm. um, but I I don't think I don't think that there's anything wrong with Rocky Five. Um, I I think it's I I think it's a, it, an immensely watchable movie, and I really like the stuff with his kid with his son. Mm. Um, I'm I'm you know I can do without the the the, the uh, machine gun guy um, Tommy gun Tommy gun I, you know, <laughs> Tommy gun yeah. I don't know. Uh, whatever. Uh, and to your, but- to, to, your, to your credit, Niall, though, on I think much like Rocky, if you go back to that first Police Academy movie, a lot of people might be like, oh, wait, this is rated R. Mm. Like, mm. this is a little edgier than I, you know, you know, the later ones are practically Saturday morning cartoons. And right. I think watching this first Rocky, you know, this is a movie about people on the outskirts of society. Mm. Yeah. Um, not just economically, but socially, like it's about, and I don't, you know, not, not to be insulting, but it's about like ugly, uncomfortable, awkward characters that aren't immediately, uh, lovable or desirable. Like a lot of mm. Hollywood movies are. And I think, I know that was what really uh, resonated with me all those years ago when I watched this for the first time and was like, Oh wow. Like I wasn't yeah. expecting. Yeah. They're, they're, you know. they're very much like, we'll get into it when we talk, like go through the, 
going through the movie, but like characters like Polly and Adrian mm-hmm. are fascinating mm-hmm. because they're not as cookie cutter as some other movies would make them out to be. Like right. the kind of romance is sort of like it's it's strange for what for what it is, and the fact that Paulie he's not an unlikable character at all, but he is kind of like you grow to love him throughout the franchise and stuff. It, it you know you you guys will get into it, you know down the line. But. Yeah, yeah. He's uh he's he's definitely a complex guy for sure. Um. Okay. So talking about the the making of this of this film. Um. And I will I will do my best to get through this as quickly as possible because it is. Uh, there's a lot to talk about. Um, <laughs> United Artists uh, was founded in 19. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so so it all it all begins with um, Stallone's acting career, which is uh, which was uh, started in earnest in 1969, um, and he was in I believe it was like 13 or 14 or 15 movies from 1969 to 1975, um, and of of all of those movies, he was only credited, like, twice. Mm. Um, most of his stuff was uncredited cameos, and, and you know, he had a, he had a, a, a film in Capone, 1975's Capone, Capone. He, had a, he had a role in that where um, he played uh, uh, Frank Nitty, um, Frank the Enforcer Nitty, um, he was in Death Race 2000, where he played Joe Machine Gun, <laughs> the Turbo, um, you know. But in all of these cases, you know, he had been he had had a career for like almost seven years, and none of them were earning him much money. Because um, the thing that you have to understand about about acting back then, if you were a star, right, you would get your payment up front. And then you would get if the movie did well, you would get a bonus. But there was no such thing as residuals back then. Mm. That was not a thing. Residuals didn't come around until home video, the home video market, um, and that was all negotiated with like SAG and and WGA, WGA and stuff around then, um, because everybody sort of like went on strike one by one um, to make sure that that residual started to be a thing because they're like you're continuing to make money on this and we're not getting anything that's not fair that all happened later so at this time he was handed a paycheck and sent on his merry way um because none of these movies were like big big hits and he wasn't the lead in any of them so he wasn't getting any bonuses so it was really just living paycheck to paycheck for him and he was living in poverty um you know when uh around the time when he was going to be he was attempting to sell um rocky he had 105 dollars in his pay- bank account um and was like worried about paying rent and and things like that i mean he was po- he was in poverty um straight up and um he watches this boxing match and like so so at this time right so he was getting all these roles as like heavies in everything um and but the problem was he wasn't very good at playing heavies because he had this innate sweetness to him that made him a poor choice to play like a leg breaker or like a a guy who's like you know gonna smack his girlfriend around and then like beat you up you know like he just he was getting cast in this stuff every once in a while but like largely speaking it was tough for him because he always had this twinkle in his eye that you know just d- 
didn't make it believable to play these these parts. Mm. Um, and uh, and and so he was like, you know, I. I I'm struggling here because no one wants to cast me in anything except heavies, but I'm not good at playing heavies because it's just not who I am on the inside. And so he's like, I'm going to start writing my own stuff. I'm going to start writing stuff for myself and maybe that'll take me somewhere. So he blacks out all of his windows in his apartment so that he doesn't know the difference between day and night. And he like just sits and he writes in, in long form in, in notebooks script after script after script after script and um his his friends uh and his and his brother Frank talk about this and he's they're like yeah at any point Stallone would have like 17 spiral notebooks in his in the trunk of his car that would all have different screenplays that he's written mm. in them um that he would just write in long form in like a couple weeks you know and and that would be that but they wouldn't go anywhere but it was they were like but it was all building his his skills um yeah, for punching for the, the for, yeah for his big shot um and that shot came when uh he was watching a boxing match um which was uh this boxing match it was like sort of a like a like a throwaway boxing match that was like you know it, it was muhammad ali and this guy named chuck wepner who was a nobody um, I mean, he was like he was he was a bum, like they call Rocky at the beginning of this. The guy was a bum. And it was really just like nobody wanted to fight Muhammad Ali because all you the only option you had was to lose. Mm. That was it. And so the only way that they could get Muhammad Ali matches, you know, up on TV, uh, what would be to like find these bums pay them a hundred grand and let them get the shit kicked out of them by Muhammad Ali yeah. um, on, on live TV. That was the only way. And, and so they get this guy in Chuck Wepner. He comes in and he fights Muhammad Ali. He's the first guy ever to knock Muhammad Ali on his ass and goes all 15 rounds with Muhammad Ali, and then eventually gets TKO'd in the last round, the very last round of this fight. And people were, like, flabbergasted by this boxing match. It was, like, one of the most exciting things that had happened in, in boxing in years, basically since Muhammad Ali <laughs> first started, you know, building up his career because he was unstoppable. And, and here's this guy who actually gave him a real fight. Um, for the first time in a long time, and he was a bum. He was nobody, and 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 and, and Sylvester Stallone was watching this fight, and it was like, wow, like this guy had a shot. You know, he knew that he was just here to give to get Muhammad Ali on TV to give him a boxing match, and he gave him maybe the most memorable boxing match he's ever had. That's amazing. Mm. Maybe that could be like, and he saw himself in this in this guy in in terms of like how he has been struggling as this actor and has never been given a shot to be a lead. But if someone gave him the shot, you know, he would try and go the distance. And all of this was swirling around in his head. And he just sat down and started writing this movie called Rocky. And he wrote it. He wrote this screenplay in three and a half days. Um, and when he wrote it, he had just done this film with um, Henry Winkler uh, which was like it was called the Lords Stubbs. of Flatbush. Flatbush. That was it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, the Lords of Flatbush, which was like a greaser movie. 
Um, and uh, he and Henry Winkler were in this thing together. And Henry Winkler talks about how um, uh, Sylvester Stallone brought him the script. And he's like, hey, I want you to read this and tell me if it's good because, you know, I, you know, I'm just so close to it. I don't know. And Henry Winkler reads it and he's like, not only is this good, this is one of the best scripts I've ever read. I'm going to take it into ABC unprompted and try and you want him to get this made. So let's try and get this made. So he goes to ABC who he has a relationship with because he's the Fonz on Happy Days. And uh, he goes in, he goes in uh, presumably uh, uh, banging on a jukebox on his way in. <laughs> he um, in, in, and, in his office hand- in the bathroom stall <laughs> at the ABC. <laughs> yeah. So he gives them the script. They love it. They go, they go absolutely apeshit for it. And they're like, yes, let's make this. We'll make it a made-for-TV movie. Um, you know, we'll, let's, let's do this thing. And uh, he, they're like, not only that, we'll let you produce it, Henry, and, uh, and, and, and we'll, uh, uh, we'll let you star in it and, mm. and, and everything. Here's the budget. And they give him the money. And he's like, start making it. And, and Henry Winkler's like, all right. So he goes back to Stallone and he's like, hey, great news. ABC gave me money to make Rocky. And, and Sylvester Stallone is like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, wait, wait, what? He's like, yeah. So they want me to make it. They're going to pay you for your script. But also they're going to bring in another writer to rewrite it. I'm going to star in it. It's going to be a TV movie. And you're, <laughs> you're just not going to be associated with it anyway whatsoever. And Stallone is like, no, go get my money. Go get go." get my script back i don't want them to have it and so basically henry winkler who just completely misread this situation entirely <laughs> has to go into abc and be like i will quit happy days Ooh. if you don't give me the, oh, right man. To the script back i mean the fair, fair play to henry winkler and, for actually like <laughs> to actually be willing to go in and go like i, I will quit happy days over this for, for like that's a pretty yes, extreme yeah. move on his part but well, it was the only yeah. movie he had to get the script back because they he had sold the script to them, um, which is which is crazy. And I think Sylvester Stallone, the legit, the very litigious guy that he is, um, I think that he probably could have sued ABC to be like he mm-hmm. had no right to sell that, and you don't actually. I will have say too, if, uh, if anyone ever um, sees the Lord of the Lords of Flatbush, uh, it is quite notable in that when you see stills from it. Uh, you'll be like, oh, there's like baby Sylvester Stallone in like a teenage greaser outfit, and there's still clearly forty-five-year-old yeah. Henry Winkler playing a teenage greaser right next to him. <laughs> right. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so uh, okay, so so they so he gets the rights back. Um, Henry Winkler gives back the the, the money that uh, ABC paid him to make it, and um, now. Uh, Sylvester Stallone is trying to um, sell the script. Now, he was sort of like back pocketed by this agency. And that's that's the crazy thing is like he didn't even really have an agent. He was just back pocketed this whole time, even having like a couple of name roles in in a move in movies. They were still like not they were like, I don't know this guy. So he gives them the script and they love it. And they're like, oh, okay, you're a screenwriter. That makes so much more sense. Um, and so they start trying to sell this movie, uh, to sell the script around town. And, you know, people are interested. But the one thing is, like, Sylvester Stallone is like, I want to play the lead. And, you know, his agency is like, okay, we'll back you on this because that would be great if we could, like, sell a movie that we, like, sell the script and the lead actor. Like, we could make a lot of money. Um, doing that so we'll we'll back you on this but like if it goes south we're gonna we're gonna dump you as the actor and we'll sell the script on its own so Vester Stallone's like fine that's fine 
so in this time, he goes and auditions for a role at the uh, 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 Winkler Chartoff Productions, I think is what it's called. Um, this is not Henry Winkler. This is Erwin Winkler. Um, a, a, uh, if you ask Sylvester Stallone, um, one of the villains of the Rocky franchise, um, I, he posts about this guy like every other day on Instagram about how much he hates <laughs> Erwin Winkler. Um, but, uh, uh, but Erwin Ir- Winkler, I've actually met Erwin Winkler um, back in my my days when I when I uh, worked at ArcLight. Um, I was working opening night of uh, of Cree Two, and he came in and wanted to like s- basically walk into all of the the Cree Two showings and like see audience reactions and stuff like that. So I got to like walk him around and talk to him. Um, I've met him and I've met oh. Talia Shire um, because of this, and uh, I got to tell Talia Talia Shire how much uh, how much her performance as Adrian meant to me, but also like Italian American representation and all of this. I got to tell her all of that. And she just was like, I got, cause I had to like get her to her car without all of the, um, autograph hounds, uh, seeing her. Um, and, uh, uh, and so she was there for like one of her kids, like had directed a movie and she was at the premiere. So like, I was, I was like, I had to like walk her down into like this secret garage that we have. And I got to like hang out with her and talk to her for a while while her car showed up. I do Um, also get visions of like you heartbroken one day of like showing Erwin Winkler around the arc light. And then Stallone and promptly showing up, seeing him and be like, oh, the hell with this? And like storming right back out again. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it turns into yeah. that Creed 2 scene they cut where uh, Drago and Rocky have a rematch. <laughs> oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so anyway, um, guy seems fine to me. I don't know. He seems like a producer. He's mm. like an old time. I mean, it's an impressive producer. grudge to hold from um, 1976 up to the present day. But. <laughs> Well, I think I think it's I think it's later that he starts to like oh, butt okay. heads with him. Um, I'm sure as we as we go along, it has um, to do kind of with who has control over the Rocky rights mm. as of now. Oh, right? this is a, right. a current thing. Is, with Stallone. I don't know. He is. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I think I think Henry. I, I'm pretty sure that Erwin Winkler blocked his Rocky TV show from going um, because he didn't want it to interfere with Creed as a franchise. And uh, I think Sylvester Stallone is like really, really pissed off about that. Um, so at any event, uh, he's also not thrilled that he's not in Creed three. Um, mm-hmm. Is my understanding. Uh, but um, in any event, uh, uh, he meet, he goes into an audition for these guys for this producers for a role, and he's not right for the role, and they really tell him. You know, there on the spot, um, which which Sylvester Stallone talks about how like he really respected that because most of the time. You know, producers weren't straight to your face in an audition to be like, you're not getting this. Um, and so they just told him, like, hey, like, you're you're not right for this. Um, I'm, we, you know, we're really sorry for wasting your time and bringing you in, um, but you're not right for this. And he was like, OK. He's like and he on his way out. He turns and he's like, hey, I'm also a writer. Um, I got this boxing script that uh, people around town are saying is pretty good. Would you want to take a look at it? And they're like, yeah, sure, kid. Bring it in. So he brings in the Rocky script. Um, they really love this script, uh, like everybody else, and they happen to have this deal with United Artists, um, and they go to United Artists, and United Artists is like, hell yeah, let's make this movie. Um, this is going to be a great starring vehicle for Robert Redford or Burt Reynolds or James Caan, all notably mm. not Italian-American, by the way. Um, like Henry Winkler somehow gets back but, in there uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> right um yeah that was the thing too that was that was just very interesting about that it was like how often um italian american characters were not played by italian americans 
Um, but uh, uh, yeah, they were like, oh, um, so, uh, you know, we got this kid. Um, his agency won't sell the script unless he's the star of it. And they're like, what? Who is this guy? And they're like, uh, his name's <laughs> his name's Sylvester Stallone. And they're like, uh, okay, um, I I've never heard of this guy, so uh, no. Um, let's just pay him off as the screenwriter. Um, we'll give him a uh, hundred thousand mm. dollars for the script, which is massive, right? And they tell Sylvester Stallone, and he's just like, holy shit, that's more money than I've ever even dreamed of having in my life. Um, you know, again, like a hundred bucks in his bank account. Um, and he's like, I, but if, if this movie gets made and it's not starring me and it's a big hit, he's like, I could see myself committing Mm. suicide. Like that's how much this means to me. I, I just can't, I have to hold to my guns and they, they up the offer to 150. Then they up it to 200. Then they up it to 275. And finally they offer him $330,000 for the script. A huge number for, for 1976, huge. Um, and he has to turn it down. And at that point they're like, okay, who the fuck is this guy? And, 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 uh, and, the the producers are like, well, he was in this movie um, called The Lords of, of Flatbush. And they're like, all right, somebody get a copy of The Lords of Flatbush. We're going to watch this movie and we're going to see if this guy has what it takes to be a star. And we'll, we'll, if, if we think we can do it, then we'll green light it. So they do this screening. All the, all the heads of UA all get into the screening of Lords of Flatbush. And they start talking about... Um, about the guy, about uh, they're watching this movie and they're like, man, I didn't know Italians could be blonde. And they're like, yeah, you know, Italians, you know, in Northern Italy, a lot of them are blonde. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess the guy looks like, uh, looks like a, a, a lead, you know, I mean, he's not, there's nothing super notable about him, but, uh, yeah, sure. Like let's, let's, let's go ahead and, and green light it with this guy. So they green light it with Sylvester Stallone, believing that, the lead of the Lords of Flatbush, Perry King, was <laughs> Sylvester Stallone. They had no idea that he was just the back, like the, the sort of like side heavy as, in this greaser group. Um, they had no idea. They thought it was the other guy because they were like, there's no way this guy has the gall, having never been a lead in anything, to demand to be the lead. I mean, it could have been worse. It could have been they watched it and they're so, like, oh, the Fonz? Is that guy? Oh, yeah, yeah. We'll give him the money to make it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, so, so, they, so they green light the movie uh, uh, thinking that, that, you know, they, <laughs> the blonde guy is going to be Rocky Balboa. Um, and they come up with a strategy where they're like, okay, he's still a, no, he's a nobody. He's been a lead before, <laughs> quote, unquote. But he's a, still a nobody. Um, so we're only going to give all in a million bucks. Um, and a hundred thousand of that right off the top goes to the producer fees. And so that left $900,000 for the budget of Rocky. Um, and the, the strategy for this was that they had this other big movie that they were like, this movie is going to be big. So even if this movie bombs flops, whatever, it only cost us a million dollars. And we've got this big movie called New York, New York. (laughs) It's a musical starring Liza Minnelli and Robert De Niro. It's directed by Scorsese. This movie is going to be massive. And you know, the, the money that we're going to make on that movie, we'll be able to eat the cost that we lost on Rocky. Um, if it doesn't work out. So no big deal. Um, of course, 
uh, as as it turns out, that movie was a flop, and Rocky's success paid for that movie, covered that movie's costs, um, which is uh, a fun twist. Tomato, tomato. Um, yep. But uh, uh, but in any event, um, $900,000 uh, making this a non-union shoot. So they stole almost every shot in this movie um, that they could. Uh, this was like very like guerrilla filmmaking, um, non-union shit. Uh, they couldn't pay anybody uh, SAG minimums on anything. Um, it was uh, it was a rough time. So they go and they try to cast... Um, the uh, uh, they try to cast Apollo Creed. Originally, um, Sylvester Stallone was like, "We should get like, we should get like a real boxer to do this, right?" And he can teach me how to box because I don't know how to box. And then you know we can we can really uh, 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 do this thing. And so they they bring in a couple of boxers. Um, he talks this story about they almost brought in uh, uh, Frazier, Joe Frazier, um, Kelsey Grammer. Yeah. Oh wow. And. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Kelsey Grammer. Um, <laughs> he'd be an old timey <laughs> boxer, I think. Um, that'd be his. That'd be his style. Uh, but yeah, they bring in Joe Frazier, and um, he accidentally kicks Sylvester Stallone's ass, <laughs> and he's like, "I think maybe that's a step too far. Like, let's try and find a, another boxer." Um, they and they look around, and there's a few guys that come in, but like none of them are really great actors. Um, so they eventually open it up and there's this ex football player named Carl Weathers who comes in and he's got this great presence. He's cocky, um, you know, and he just, as soon as he walks in the room, he just like all of the energy just gets sucked into him, you know, and he's just like the life of the party. Um, and he starts doing the audition and he's running lines with Sly. Um, and he does this great thing where he's just like, he's just like, hey, uh, so who's playing Rocky? You know, because it'd be really nice to run lines with a real actor. And so, and, and Sylvester Stallone's like, it's me. I, I wrote the script. I'm also starring in it. And he's like, oh, well, I'm sure you'll get better. <laughs> and he was like, and Sylvester Stallone was just like, I love this guy. Like, I just, I love that he was willing to say that in his audition. He just had mm. the bluster that this character needed. And, um, and he just talked about how, like, physically imposing he was being an ex-football player he's like he this guy's perfect he's taller than me like everything about it is perfect but he didn't know how to box either which is yeah. important for later i will say I think, um, my personal head Mar- canon though oh, is ahead. that uh, mgm brought in joe frazier to deliberately kick the crap out of stallone because of all the crap he put them through <laughs> with the offers and stuff and then when carl weathers showed up they're like a- just really demean him just grind this guy down we, we want him to quit yeah <laughs> <laughs> it's entirely possible. Um, but uh, moving on to to Mickey, they had some old. They wanted like an old timey actor for this role to be like bring him back and 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 sh- you know show his stuff. And but like for for the time because this was the seventies. Everything about filmmaking was changing in the seventies. Everything was becoming sort of more naturalistic, right? And all of these old timey guys had a way of acting that was like larger than life. And they were worried, Sylvester Stallone and and the director, which, by the way, I cannot find anything on why John G. Avildsen directed this movie. 
this dude like doesn't really talk to the press. Like just there, I can't find any good interviews with him. I was like looking everywhere for the story from his perspective of like getting on Rocky. It doesn't exist. He just doesn't talk about it. So I have no idea. I know that he had just directed a movie um, prior to this with uh, I think it, it was it was called like oh, Joe yeah. or something. Oh, I know. I, I know Joe. Joe's yeah. a Joe's a good movie yeah. from like an academic viewpoint. Like it's it's like a proto. It's yeah. a proto taxi driver, but it's like anti right. Which he would go on. Uh, he Peter Boyle would yeah, go on to yeah, be yeah. a taxi driver. Like, that was the weird thing, yeah, because Peter Boyle ended up turning down uh, Popeye Doyle and the French Connection because people were applauding the violence right. that's in Joe, and he's such like a kind of calm guy. He's like, I don't want to be promoting violence against people, yeah. but yeah, Joe's an odd movie, and it's like it's like vehemently anti hippie up until the end. <laughs> where it's like, oh, I guess it's like it was more complex than that. But people, as people want to do, yeah. interpret it as like, oh yeah, let's go out and kill all the hippies and stuff, which is a very odd message right. to take away from the movie. And uh, it's the uh, it's the it's the anti Billy yeah, Jack. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Mm. Uh, but yeah, and then so I got to go on yeah. to then direct like the feel good classic that is Rocky. <laughs> it's like, oh okay, right, right. Well, and then and then after Rocky, this is kind of the only kind of movie he directs after this. Are Feel good underdog mm, stories. Mm. Um, that's that's kind of all he does because he goes on to do Karate Kid um, and amongst a, many other films that are all sort of feel good mm. underdog stories. Every every movie that I he thought, directs. I, I was curious though because uh, I was thinking like the other day that in the post like the 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 afterglow of the Karate Kid franchise. When I was a kid, every other kid was going to learn karate because of the Karate Kid, and I was genuinely curious. If the same thing happened with Rocky, where like a load of guys <laughs> decided, like, I'm gonna go out and become a boxer, I'm now. sure. I'm sure. I think that this inspired an entire generation of boxers. I think the entire generation of like Evander Holyfield and Mike Tyson and that whole generation probably watched the Rocky movies and then got into boxing like afterward because it's just like, oh yeah, that could be mm. that could mm. be me. That's because there is something very romantic about how boxing is portrayed. At least in these early movies, it becomes decidedly less romantic as the <laughs> as the series progresses. I like the idea that Mike Tyson got um, but, into boxing. He's uh, like, well, my yeah. my uncle always really wanted a birthday robot, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, you know what? Become, I got him three. By uh, the time uh, by the time we hit three and four, they almost become like superheroes. Yeah, and it's like Absolutely. superhero battles at that point. Yeah, like people are dying. <laughs> yeah, 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 for sure. Um. So yeah, so so the problem with with um you know Avildsen uh and and Stallone was just like you know movies are changing. We want this sort of naturalistic style, but we want one of these old actors to come in and 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 play this part because it's a great part for one of them to like maybe get a a supporting actor nod or something like that. Um and uh and and so they're like meeting with all these guys, but none of them will audition. Because they're like, I haven't auditioned. One guy said, I haven't auditioned for a role since I was in a radio serial. <laughs> I am not auditioning for you. And it's like, no, that's exactly why you should be auditioning. We want to make sure that you are are going to be able to play a grounded performance and not be, you know, Sunset mm. Boulevarding us. And all of these guys, none of them would audition. And then and then uh, Burgess Meredith came in. He was like, yeah, I'll audition. I don't care. Whatever. Uh, and he auditioned and he just absolutely killed it. And 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 Stallone was just like, there is a there's a point in 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 the audition. The the audition scene that they have is um, 
Rocky approaching Mickey to be like, hey, why'd you give away my locker? And uh, that scene is what they what they audition with. And uh, the scene where he starts to walk away and he goes, hey, kid, you ever think about retiring? You should start thinking about it. Um, that is just something that that Burgess Meredith came up with on the fly. And Stallone was like, I'm going to write that into the script. Also, you're hired. <laughs> so like. That uh, was that. It's, it's terrific, um, though. They're like, we want someone we can be guaranteed won't overact. Let's get the penguin. Like, that, that, that's the man. Right. He's perfect for this. Well, I mean, you yeah, know, he yeah. auditioned. That was the thing. I don't that you know. I don't think he would have necessarily been perfect if uh, if that mm. hadn't been the case. But um, yeah, he, he gives him like a proper second wind iconic um, role. Like he, the you know, Burgess Meredith is to a lot of people just the penguin, but like he is also yeah. Mickey. Like that's. It's another. It's a fresh off in the the twilight of his years. There you go. Another full blown iconic part. Uh, well, it's funny you say Twilight Nile. He was also in a very memorable. Oh, episode of course, of, of course. Nile. There you go. There you go. Oh yeah. Yes. But uh, but yeah, it turns out though they were exactly right though. It's like oh, we should get an older actor because they might end up getting a lot of recognition from this. And there you go. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. So um, that left uh, Adrian. Um, as the last sort of major role to to be cast, um, and uh, originally, you know, the studio wanted Susan mm. Sarandon, whose screen and... debut was in Joe, as I recall. Oh, interesting. Um, but yeah, they wanted Susan Sarandon, and every like all of the creative people, including the producers of the movie, um, everyone was like, "No, she's too pretty." Like, no one would believe her as like someone people would make fun of around town for being like quiet and mousy like no one would buy that she's just too Mm. stunning um and and so like we just can't no it's not believable and so they were like okay fine then who else and everyone was sort of feeling um this actress uh named uh carrie snodgrass um who had done a movie called diary of a mad housewife uh, she'd been nominated for for an Academy Award and 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 Golden Globes, and uh, everyone really liked her. She had good chemistry with Sylvester Stallone. Um, but after the audition, when they went to offer her the role, uh, the her agency was basically like, "Great, um, she is the only name in your movie, so we want her to make all of the money." Basically, um, they're they were like they were like basically asking for the equivalent of the budget of the movie on her character. So they were like asking UA to like raise the budget of the movie in order to afford her. And they were like, we're not. No, that's not. I don't think you know where you are. Um, <laughs> this isn't we're not doing that. Uh, this was we'll like this was an else. Academy Award nominated actress at this point. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but like this was a uh, a non-union shoot. So yeah. like it just wasn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually uh, Talia Shire comes in and plays the, the, the scene in the in the pet store. Um, and her sort of like little flashes of like who she really is underneath all that shyness um and and everything and and the fact that like Sylvester Stallone could seemingly act circles around her while she was really acting circles around him without saying mm-hmm. anything just really impressed everybody um and and so they were like yeah let's let's bring her in and and Sylvester Stallone just loved her 
um, right away. We're just like, this is this is the one. This is she's better mm. than Snodgrass. Um, that was fun. There's always like, there's a confusing and, uh, um, yeah. legend around Talia Shire during this movie. That they they always bring up like oh yeah the reason she's so quiet and withdrawn in it is because Talia Shire had the flu while they were making it, and I never believed that because it's like well the parts as written, the the character has to right. be like that like that's it wouldn't make she can't come in like yeah. all boisterous and everything and be like oh no I'm not feeling today I'm feeling sick so now the entire character is morphed into this mousy pet stop for you know it's, it's, it <laughs> right. makes no sense whatsoever right. so I don't know if there's any truth to that but it's a thing that's always brought up around no. Rocky. And I feel it should be shot down and, and put in the ground because it's ludicrous. Yeah. It's it's uh, weird how little legends like that come up, but it's it's a thing where pe- I think people – my guess is it's coming out of the fact that, like, she had already done both Godfather movies mm. at this point. Um, and I think people felt bad that, like, wow, this is, like, barely a role. Like, to anybody who doesn't understand that, like, acting is more yeah. than dialogue – Right. I think I think they're going to see this and like she was in two Godfather movies and now she's here and she's like barely mm. doing anything. And it's like, no, this is just a really understated. <laughs> they're waiting for the uh, that's and, your husband. That's your husband. Like they're waiting for that big blowout scene yeah. that never comes. <laughs> right. Right. Um, and so I, I think people try to make excuses for that to be like, oh, well, she must have been sick. That must be what it is. And then that just gets mm. perpetuated over time. Um but, uh, uh, yeah, so the movie was, um, again, shot as a non-union shoot. A um, lot of rewrites on the fly to cover up budget problems. Um, the There was a, a scene that took place in an ice rink that had, like, 150 extras. And there was a guy who was going to, like, take uh, uh, Adrian away from Rocky because Rocky doesn't know how to ice skate and he was going to like skate away with her like like the nerd like the redheaded nerd <laughs> in Back to the Future um, and 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 Rocky was like gonna gonna like almost like get in a fight with this guy and and in uh, Adrian was gonna have to like like mm. stop him and like, gonna cool go, him down backdooring and into like, a Popeye movie or something here <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It was, it was, it was a, it was a odd scene when you think about it. But like, basically, they show up at the ice rink to shoot the scene, and they're like, "Hey, um, so we had a problem with the budget, and we're not going to be able to have as many extras as we had wanted uh, to have." And there, he was like, "Well, how many extras do we have?" He's like, "None." <laughs> He's like, "What?" And so he had to rewrite the scene. The only person that they had was the guy who was going to play the one who was going to steal the steal steal Adrian away from him, and and they cast him as the 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 uh, what are the what are those things called the um. Zamboni, Zamboni. Yeah, the Z- the Zamboni driver. Uh, they like they give him that role instead, and uh, and have him rewrite it to be after hours. Um, but I think it adds such a quiet element and also just like a freshness to a scene that we've just never mm. seen before. You know, um, that other scene that could have been in Greece. That could have been. I mean, it was literally in Back to the Future. I, mean, I think, I think you know? that scene. That's so. that's a really like powerful scene too. It's a really memorable one because you know that yeah. Rocky is a guy who has no yeah. money, and the fact that he wants to right. be with Adrian, spend time with her so much that he's willing to pay the guy off. It's like that's a pretty big sacrifice right. on his part because like that could be like a week's worth of food to Rocky. Right. Right. Yeah, right. and it's Absolutely. and like it's so it's so quiet, and these two characters really get to just. It's like you know. 
just be alone and be themselves and like the imagery of Rocky kind of having to jog on the ice because he doesn't he doesn't even skate. He hasn't skated since he was like fifteen. <laughs> Yeah. Plus, the, the other guy so then good. gets to play the uh, memorable part of just shouting out the time like a complete asshole the whole time. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, this was also uh, one of the one of the big things with this movie was like this was the third film ever to shoot with a steady cam, which was a brand new invention. Everyone was like, "What is that thing? It looks like a vacuum cleaner." Um, but uh, this was how they stole all the shots that they stole in his uh, training montages, um, which was just like literally uh, the director was just driving Stallone around and be like, this would be a cool place for you to run. So like he would just shoot him and like the Steadicam operator would follow and the whole thing. And this is something that blew my mind because I have never I've watched this movie so many goddamn times and not once have I ever thought about like thought about the fact that like when Sylvester Stallone when Rocky is running up those steps and he gets to the top and he's like, yeah, I did it. It was great. I was like, the steady cam operator is doing mm. the same thing he's doing, but holding a steady cam and running up the stairs <laughs> sideways to follow him. And I'm like, he's yeah. the real guy that should be like, yeah, I did it. <laughs> You'd assume it would be on like some kind of crane or something. Like it would be like, oh yeah, they wouldn't make a guy do that. No, <laughs> no, Steadicam. Um, they didn't have the budget. Maybe like for if a they crane. ever did a making of Rocky um, movie. And- you should have a montage of the Steadicam guy training every morning to get ready. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but yeah, that's that's how they got. Uh, you know, they talked about that scene where. Um, they're uh, at the shipyard and, and Sylvester Stallone just starts sprinting. And he did that sprint because he was like, I'm not going to make I've been running all day. I'm not I'm going to fall on my face if I don't just like get to my mark at the for what we set at the end of the scene. And so he just sprints and and the driver was just like, holy shit, he's fast. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, they're just driving along in the truck, and the and the 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 steady cam is keeping it level and keeping it smooth. Um, and it was just like this amazing new invention. And in fact, none of the the previous two films that had shot with a steady cam, none of them had been released yet, so no one knew what a steady cam was at all on this set, and everyone was sort of blown away by it. Um, the uh, boxing choreography. This is a fun story. The guy they hire this guy to do boxing choreography, who is like the guy in Hollywood, and he was just like he. There, boxing movies had for a long time not made any money, and so this guy hadn't really worked very much in a while. So he like begrudgingly took this like really low ball offer on this non union shoot to do the choreography for the boxing, and. He had done things like like there was like Kirk Douglas movies and things like that, all these like black and white um, boxing movies. And one of the things that's notable about those boxing movies is like all the boxing scenes are terrible, terrible Um, there. It's like rock'em sock'em robots. And and when it's not, a lot of it will be done like you have these weird POV shots where the one boxer is like boxing like on either side of the camera lens, like right in front of it. And you just go back and forth between them because they're like, well, you know, we can't really they can't really hit each other. And and, you know, it's so we'll just do this. And it's just not exciting and it's not cool. And uh, this guy starts choreo- uh, doing the choreography for the for the boxing match. And Stallone is like, I, uh, you know, this isn't what boxing looks like on TV. <clears throat> let's like let's turn on a boxing match. They turn on a boxing match. And he's like, <clears throat> can we do something like this? <clears throat> Excuse me. 
And uh, and the guy is like, no, that's impossible. And he's like, why? Why is it impossible? He's like, that's just not how it's done. And and Stallone is like, well, but it's it's our movie and this is how we want it done. So, like, can you choreograph that? And he's like, I refuse. <laughs> no. <laughs> and and so he just fucking quits. He quits because he's like, no, you're not going to tell me what boxing choreography, what's good, what good boxing choreography is. I've been doing this since you were a teenager. Like, no, fuck off um, with your low ball offer. And he quits. And so Stallone is like, okay, well, like, let's just look at a bunch of boxing matches and we'll choreograph it ourselves. And so they just, he he watches boxing matches, finds moves that he likes, and just writes it all down. And he writes out the choreography like it's a screenplay. And then he and, and Carl Weathers just, like, train and figure it out and, like, work it all out like a ballet. Um, and no one had ever seen boxing choreography like in in Rocky before. Um he's even credited in the movie as the boxing mm. choreographer, Sylvester Stallone, <laughs> which is so crazy. Um and then uh uh the music budget was only 25,000. Um but they knew that they needed a real mu- music but they needed a real composer. Um and so, you know, they bring in <laughs> they bring in this like really great guy, Bill Conti, um Bill Conti and uh He's like, yeah, I'll do it for 25K, but you get me for three hours. <laughs> and he's like, okay. And so he goes into the studio and he's got his orchestra and he's like, all right, let's shoot. Let's let's do this thing. And they play a piece that he writes for the movie. And then they're like, okay. And, and, and like one of the musicians will be like, I think I messed up part of that. Can we do another take? He's like, no need. Sounded great. <laughs> Moving on. And just... Every single song in this movie is a one-take wonder. Every single one. Um, the entire score was done in, recorded in three hours, one take. The entire score of this movie. Including, at a, at a certain point, um, he, they, they start to play the main theme. Or they, play, they record the main theme, and then they're like, this is missing something. This is like... This 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 is like a, almost like a rock song. Like we need, I think it needs some like vocalization. And he's like, okay, well, I got a guy. Um, if he can be here in forty five minutes, then then great. And so they they bring in this like a few singers, and then he's just like he's like um he's got a lyricist on his team. And the lyricist is like, I don't know, uh, spitballs like the 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 one lyric in the in the score to gonna, to the, gonna fly to the now rocky theme gotta fly now and they're like okay and he's like so say it like this gotta fly now and they sing it and they're like done all right we're wrapped and then they're out of there and it's it twenty five thousand dollars for three hours what's he doing he's working out okay getting getting strong now <laughs> yeah getting strong now yeah that's it. I like the idea though um, bill Conti then uh, later like so- a year later getting a phone call like you've been nominated for an oscar he's like for what movie <laughs> like rocky <laughs> I didn't do it in a movie called Rocky. Yeah. <laughs> Just hanging up. <laughs> oh, wait, no, that movie. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's right. Um, but yeah, crazy. Oscar nominated score cost the entire budget was 25k so that is not just like that's not what bill conti was paid that was what his team was paid so then he had to like dole that out to his orchestra all the musicians everyone that he brought in until he was like left with what was left over um wow yeah three hours of work uh and then finally um the poster and i have this poster i it's it's hanging in my bedroom the poster which is um not the most notable poster. The mo- the more notable poster is like the big like 
you know, he's Rocky has his like fists up in the air and the whole thing. But the one um, that was used mostly in the 70s, which was uh, Rocky and and Adrian shot from behind, sort of like sadly walking. Um, and uh, and and that shot is from the original ending of the film, which they shot and they didn't like. Um, because it just didn't feel like it lost its oomph. The original ending of this was basically, it ends, you know, Apollo Creed wins, Rocky stumbles off stage, no one gives a shit about him anymore. Like, they're all, like, focused on Apollo Creed, and he walks out, and he's looking for Adrian, and he's sort of like a, a fish swimming upstream, right? And he finally gets to the back where no one is because everyone is rushing the the ring to talk to Apollo Creed. Um, and uh, they walk together, sadly, alone, no one paying attention to them and, because it's like, oh, you know, but like he got the girl and that's all that really matters. And what matters is he has his own respect that he went to the distance, mm. etc. So they shot that. And that is the the shot of the poster. Um, and they, they edited it together and they didn't love it. So they do a reshoot of the ending. Um, which is they shove a bunch of Sylvester Stallone's friends in a corner of a ring um, and, and they shoot him tight on in this ring and he just starts shouting for Adrian, Adrian, you know, and then she's running in and the, the whole thing and there's like wire that like pulls back her, her hat and he was like, I think it would be great if we pull the hat off so that it's the first thing that he notices when she shows up just to like tell everyone that he doesn't even care about the fight anymore. All he cares about is seeing his girl. And, uh, and then like, that's, that's how they end up ending the movie and, um, going on to win Mm. best picture, uh, against, against network, which was also a UA joint where they had spent all of the money on campaigning and everything on network for, for, uh, the Oscar and best picture. And, uh, Rocky takes it in the end. Yeah. it's a kind Underdog. of real telling thing of you know, like uh, something was up against like Taxi Driver as well. And I don't know if it's like a, a thing, like a, a a shift in America where the early seventies is dogged with you know the aftermath of Vietnam or the ongoing thing of Vietnam, and everyone's dour and miserable, and Watergate happens, and everyone's all the art is reflecting that. And it just by right, and even by, like, by, by uh, nineteen seventy six though, they're just like. We just need a release. <laughs> like we need like what well, well, this nice yeah. story about the guy who you know he, he gets the girl, but he also wins his self respect by fighting this guy, and it's just everyone has a good time with it. You know, <laughs> can we just do that? And then hey, Jaws yeah. is here too. Look, they beat the shark. It's great. Hey, you know, let's let's just focus on this for a while. <laughs> Absolutely. Right? And then and then Star Wars yeah, the next yeah. year. Yeah, it 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 was kind yeah. of like yeah, like they were banking on the the morally ambiguous kind of deep cerebral 70s movie network winning and it ends up being this big spirit filling rousing you know audience crowd pleasing mm. movie and that well i mean this because- was this was like the start of the blockbuster in a lot of ways you know like it had started the previous year really with with jaws um and and for those of you like the idea of the blockbuster is not something that really exists anymore. It's been morphed into like this other thing, which is like now a genre of movie, as opposed to like what it used to literally mean, which was like people were lined up around the block because every theater only had one screen. And so you got in line and waited for the previous screening to be over so that you could go in, buy your ticket and see the movie. Um, and it, you would, it would be literally a blockbuster because it would just be lined up around the block. And Rocky was like that. And, 
the producers like went and saw the movie with the crowd and they were like, I've never seen this reaction from a crowd. They're cheering and grown men are crying. And like, this is, this is crazy. I've never seen anyone react to a movie like this before. Don't they know that like, this isn't live? Like, you know, like he's, he's not really fighting this guy. Like it's a movie, but like everyone just acted like that. And I remember I felt that way when I watched Rocky Balboa the same way. Um, like that last fight is just, it's euphoric, man. It always is in these movies. And, and I think that's a, a testament to like the filmmaking and, and everything else. But uh, yeah. And steady cam mm. operators. <laughs> sure. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> but um, yeah, let's get yeah. into it. I, you know, one thing that really um, struck me. So immediately the movie begins with this big thundering fanfare that I now know was recorded in 30 seconds. <laughs> um, and we get it's in the soundtrack. It's called Rocky's mm. fanfare. And, we get this huge, like, title card of Rocky sliding horizontally across the screen. Mm-hmm. And it's so vital. I don't know if that was a, a decision made in post because it, it hints to the viewer that th- what you are watching an mm. epic. Yeah. And you're not watching an epic for 90% of the movie. Yeah. You know, you're, and, but if the movie had opened with, you know, Rocky fighting Spider in this dingy little gym it kind of the audience would be like okay okay we're watching one of these but yeah. you re- you remember even subconsciously you remember the huge fanfare and the sliding title mm. rocky and it kind of prepares you a little bit for the journey yeah. you're about to go on you're about to see the story of an american hero like that's sort of like what mm-hmm. it's saying but like he's going to have lowly beginnings but like you're you're it's going to mm. we're going to get there you know mm-hmm. um and it's also interesting in retrospect because every rocky movie starts with that and it's almost like, like somebody knew, like, oh, well, this could be a franchise, <laughs> because it's it's such a franchise like fist pump opening, um, that it's fascinating the idea that like this could have been the mm. only one, the only yeah. one is just this I mean, one be... movie, and this is how it opens. It's just nuts. I mean, it's, <laughs> I think that put the pin in that though, because as we'll get to at the end, there's sort of stuff there that they're like. You know, citation needed in terms of like, oh, you know, there, there won't be any rematch. Like, well, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> right. Yeah. Never. Few people have been more wrong in cinema history. <laughs> but I do appreciate, though, that <laughs> um, yeah, the, literally the opening seconds, like if people just know about Rocky in like the cultural ether and you've never watched one of the movies. It's nice that like, when you sit down, literally the opening seconds you get something iconic where it just it gives you that theme that you know it's like it's right here it's literally from the opening second is the stuff that you know about rocky and in, and indeed you know like it's kind of indicative of what bill conti's score brings to the movie itself and kind of mm-hmm. the charm and i think why this struck such a emotional chord in 76 and now which is like rocky is such a an everyman you know everyone has felt like rocky like down on their luck, dejected, didn't live up to the, their potential. Nobody says anything nice to them. Everyone, like, life is unkind to them. But it, the movie has this larger-than-life, heroic, like, you know, Scott said, American hero score that even in the sadder moments, you have that beautiful, like, piano. It gives everything this legendary elegance. 
and it mm-hmm. it's kind of how it feels sometimes when you're going through life and you're taking your licks you know you want mm-hmm. it to believe that it has this larger romantic resonance mm-hmm. uh and so rocky is uh he it's funny later on he he, he describes boxing as his mm-hmm. hobby <laughs> yeah <laughs> but he, he's in the middle of a fight with spider rico it's just and then you see early on he takes a hit he wasn't planning on getting and he's angry he yeah he switches mm. on and he beat he beats spider but no one gives a shit the crowd is like jeering at him as yeah. he's leaving the, the ring you're a bum and this, you're yeah a the bum. odd twist afterwards we find when they're getting paid you find out even though he won he gets paid less somehow than the loser of the fight um, no, no, no. He got paid forty bucks, and the loser got. Oh, I thought it was seventy. Oh, okay. I'm like, I got to clean out my ears yeah. when I'm watching these things. Yeah, yeah, seventeen dollars. Um, it's but, a Philadelphia uh, accent. But uh, I, I, what I really love too is like just like back in this era when um, boxing was so popular that they would set up boxing matches in like church basements. Like that is so crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Uh, uh, and then we get this beautiful tracking shot uh, of Rocky uh, just walking through the neighborhood. Not tracking shot, but, you know, him rocking through his neighborhood. We get uh, the acapella street group. Right. Where uh, where Frank Stallone is the lead singer <laughs> in that group. Mm-hmm. Like, like, from, from the, uh, the word go sly throwing his brother a bone there. <laughs> yep. Take me back. And they... Uh, Rocky makes his way to the pet shop where Adrian works. And it's just, you know, really lovely opening moments where we see a different side of Rocky than, you know, the brute that we saw in the ring. He is, he's got jokes. He's, he talks to animals. He's, you know, like, like Scott said at the very beginning, just immediately this big softy. Yeah. Uh, That's like, you know, you see immediately like the side of him and, uh, Adrian's there and it's just like so I, I don't know I, I just like immediately they, they set mm. that up that's it, it's also interesting his relationship with animals um throughout this uh series is is something that is like low-key one of the the most like accurate Italian-American representation things ever for me because like my family always had pets and loved animals and just like that was always like a big thing of like everybody had dogs everybody loved dogs they had birds they had like whatever and and they all treated them just like rocky treats all of the animals that he's meeting like my grandpa like anytime we would go to the mall my grandma would go off and shop and he would go to the pet store um back when like you know all malls had a pet store you know he would go to the pet store and he would like hang out with the animals and he would talk to the birds and and the fish and whatever that was just it was so accurate to me that like, oh, this is that looks like something I recognize that I've never seen captured mm, on film mm. before. Mm-hmm. I think it's a it's a real like it's, a, it's also like it's kind of a classic trope as well, though, of just like showing someone someone who's kind to animals is also just sort of indicating immediately yeah. to an audience that he's a good guy. Like no matter what else you might think, like, well, you know, me think yeah, he's, 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 he's good with the pets, though. Is right. like looking at Rocky through the lens of like. <clears throat> the masculine, you know, manhood, which he certainly is and became like, there's some, like an animal can't insult Mm. you. Yeah. An animal can't judge you. And I think, you know, men 
and the guys like Rocky so often have to guard themselves and layer up. I mean, Rocky has to spend a lot of his time, much like Sylvester Stallone, being convincingly menacing enough that, oh, this guy's going to break mm. my thumbs. Right. And you don't have to do that with turtles and dogs. And it's like he he gets to kind of unload and be unguarded the way he doesn't get to be around almost every, anyone else in his life. Mm. Yep. Yep. Um, and we meet Butkus. Yep. In the cage. Like, he, yeah, he has a relationship who, with animals aren't even his. <laughs> who, well, a funny story, Butkus is Sylvester Stallone's dog. Mm-hmm. Um, it, was, it was his dog that he, he had and was starving along mm. with him when uh when he was and in poverty didn't he have to and if you uh the, the, the... oh sorry Nick, go yeah. ahead oh no please no no i, th- I think you're about to I, think I, I, I believe that then salone he, he previously had sold the dog because he was in such dire straits yes. and then once he had a bit of money he immediately went and got the dog back right right so what i want to know is is as of shooting this was but had butkus been returned to sylvester stallone or were they estranged <laughs> Was he going yeah, to no, no, no. He okay. he got yeah, no, no. He got he got his dog back um after like the deal cleared. I think he like used his first yeah. paycheck to go. I think he sold them for like dog. fifty bucks or something, um, and then yeah, but he didn't he didn't sell them. This is this is the part of the story that like everyone like throws he everyone will be like yeah he needed fifty bucks so he sold his dog. No 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 that's not what happened. It's that he could not afford to feed the dog and he mm. felt bad, so he sold the dog to somebody yeah. who could. Yeah. Um, and, and because he was worried about his dog because he loved his dog. <laughs> I do like your version of events though, uh, Nick, where like Stallone just shows up on set and all of a sudden the dog just happens to be there like in its trailer with sunglasses <laughs> on. Just like, what the? Sly? Buckus? <laughs> Sly? How's that? Yeah, like, bucks? This, is, this is a little awkward, huh? <laughs> Son of a bitch. <laughs> Hello, Sylvester. <laughs> One thing I should also mention too, uh, though, like he, in, in the build-up. Please. Like... No, the, I don't maybe not because we're so used to the name Sylvester Stallone. It's instantly it seems like an instantly iconic name to me. It's like, oh, that's one of the most memorable names you're gonna hear. It's just it's you know, got alliteration and everything in it. Like it's, but I think for a time he was going by like Mike Stallone as if this was gonna help. Like it was a stage name and then eventually it was Sylvester E. Stallone yeah. until eventually just went I don't know well, if rem- and, and, and the, either of those names strike you guys in any way as being better than just his actual name. It reminds know. me a lot of, uh, you know, people used to tell Schwarzenegger, well, no one could ever pronounce that mm. or say that. And cut to 1991, where it's like as big as Terminator 2 on the poster. Yeah. You know, yeah. Right. 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 Things that are singular or strange or, you know, would turn out to be like the biggest, you know, you, mm. you don't talk like anyone else. You, you can't mm. be in movies. That's the thing. The 70s were a different time. Like, I, I don't I don't I mean, I would say no. And I think history has proven us correct. But at the same time, in the 70s, like they didn't yeah. know any better. Like, you know, every like that's they just every no mm. one knows what they're doing. Um, That's <laughs> that's the thing. And I think, you know, right away, even in this first scene, just you, you see like everything about Tylia Shire's mm. Adrian of. Mm-hmm. Like you see the desire to meet Rocky in the middle to be where he's at, you know, that kind of connection, but she can't get out of her, her shyness, you know, her, her insecurities. And it was just like, gosh, we don't even try to write characters like this anymore. And it's all, it's so, so subtle though, because if you were watching this casually, Mm -hmm. it almost seems like this guy is just in like bugging this lady. Like she doesn't, you'd be kind of like back off, man, leave her alone. She's clearly not into it, but it's just. 
Talia does a couple of little things to indicate that she mm-hmm. actually does like Rocky. She just she's just so ground down and pent up into herself. Um, and I, I love right. that it's like it's uh, it's you know the, gonna... the second scene. Well, I guess well, second or third scene in the movie because you know growing up with the Rocky franchise as a kid, you know when you're a little boy, you're just like I'm here for the fights and I'm here for the the action. And the Adrian scenes when you're young are just like, oh, what? A, come on, just get to get to the match. Come on. And now, as an adult, you're like, this is the franchise. the The whole story of Rocky in the first five movies is him and Adrian. And then that lands even harder when you guys will get to it in Rocky Balboa when you find out, like, you know, he's he's sitting by the grave and stuff. And it's just like, it's uh, you really get to appreciate it as 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 you mature as an audience. You really get to appreciate that. Um, this is where it is. This, there's a reason this is so upfront. Is because this is the actual story yeah. beyond everything else. Right. Yeah. Hmm. There's that. There's that um, uh, bit later that uh, where Rocky is talking about how they fill each other's mm. gaps. You know, and and the thing about it is like when he comes in and he's just like this ner- this bundle of nervous energy who can't stop talking. Right. And she's like this quiet mouse who like can't even like make eye contact with him. Um, It's it is this sort of interesting, like interesting thing where, you know, obviously we learn. I don't think we learn in this scene. We learn later that his best friend, this is her his Mm. sister. Right. And so. They've known each other for a while, and he's had this crush for a while. He bought the turtles and the fish just to have, like have an excuse to like mm. go see her at work all the time, and uh, you know it's a thing where it's like when someone has this nervous, chattery energy. I think that like the quiet, like a lot of quiet people are like kind of attracted to that because they're like something that they don't have that they they I'm not capable yeah, of doing that. Yeah, you know, but but like but then like from his perspective, he's seeing her and he's like, wow, she's in her head all the time. She's probably mm. so smart. Like I, you know, I don't yeah. have that. And so just that that sort of chemistry is just it, it's something that you don't see a lot in in film because. I don't know if it's just too subtle for people or what. Because, like you said, like people have to try and make excuses for why she doesn't talk enough <laughs> in this movie. Um, and and it's, it's I, I, I do. I really love the characters, though. As you know, it's a it's a classic thing, but they are flip sides of the same coin, though. Because you know, it's like an opposites attract. Like he's boisterous and he's quite like he's chatty and he's just like really very avuncular and friendly, and she's just like completely quiet and just can't bring herself to talk to people and stuff. But at the same time, as the movie goes on, you find out that they're exactly the same in that, you know, Rocky's been ground down by everybody. Like, he's always told he's a loser, he's a bum. The world has made his life miserable. And it's just everything around him is misery, essentially. Like, it's just dirt and grime. And he's just really, really been just absolutely kicked in the dirt all the time. And then when you see Adrian's home life, it's the same deal. Like, her brother is horrible right. to her. He's just always, always demeaning her. And it's right. just like these two, the characters are the same. Like, they're going through the same exact thing. It's just that one of them's dealing with it one way and the other one's dealing with it. She can't – she is ground down and goes inward, whereas Rocky's just trying to be like – he's kind of projecting outwards to be like, hey, you know, putting on kind of a good front to, to hide his right. frustrations and stuff. Right, right. 
Yeah. Uh, the next day, we learn how Rocky actually pays the rent, what his day job is, so to speak. Uh, he's a leg mm-hmm. breaker. He tracks down uh, this guy, Bob, down at the docks and is like, hey, you owe Gazzo, you know, however much money. And, you know, Stallone's really great at just using his size and using his like, hey, like Rocky's just doing a job. But like his discomfort in this moment is palpable, like the fear that he's, you know, forcing out of this guy. Like he's not he's not getting anything yeah, out of this. Yeah. Although, as I said, um, when and, I was watching it last week on, uh, on my Facebook page, I've been in Gotham too long with Batman because, like, I was half expecting to see a familiar shadow drop down behind <laughs> Rocky at some point. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I, I really – I thought that too. I actually literally thought of Batman of, like, oh, like, in another – like, Rocky is the kind of person that Batman beats yeah. into a coma yeah, every night. Is. Yeah, it's like this nowadays modern yeah, day I'm thinking would parents. be that uh, that SNL sketch of like you know, oh Batman broke my brother's arm just because he was stealing the TV or something. Like it's <laughs> yeah, which is which is crazy because it's like it's like one, he's not even really doing anything. I mean, he's like taking this guy's money, but it's also he's not paying mm. what he owes. You know, mm-hmm. he he promised to owe this money. Like this is. You know, but like yeah, Batman doesn't know that he's on a rooftop and he just sees like a bigger guy bothering a littler guy. Yeah. And he's like, well, sure. I know which one I'm beating up. <laughs> and like uh, and, and we meet we meet immediately after the character Gazzo that Rocky is Rocky's boss. And right. they never say explicitly, but is, you know, presented to be kind of like a local uh, powerful crime boss or criminal right. in some way in the town. And indicative of the 70s, this movie doesn't really judge Gazo mm. a lot or mm. paint him in a particularly negative light. It's just a reality of Rocky's yeah. environment. Like, right. These are right. the guys that have power in Rocky's neighborhood. This is Rocky's boss. He's shown to be probably capable of not being a nice guy, but he's always decent to Rocky because he just happens to mm. like the guy. Mm. This is, this is also one of my favorite uh, scenes in the movie, all the scenes with, with, with Gazo, because like, there's this great thing where he like Rocky gets in the car and he'll like update him on like whatever's going on. And then Gaza was like, okay, great. Um, so tomorrow I'm going to need you to talk to this guy. And he, and then Rocky will be like, Oh, okay. And he'll bring out his little notebook and put <laughs> on his little glasses and he'll start taking notes. And I'm like, this is the greatest. This is everything I love about Rocky. Like in a, in a shot of like, he's taking notes with his little glasses on who he's got to beat up tomorrow. Uh-huh. <laughs> I just love um, it so should, much. Should mention though, um, <laughs> Gazzo, of course, is played by Joe Spinell, who one of the great 1970s mm-hmm. character actors, and you've definitely seen him in other stuff because he's the guy who makes Robert De Niro a taxi driver in Taxi Driver. He's the one who gives him his his hack license right. at the beginning, and is the exact opposite. Wow. He's horrible to De Niro, <laughs> uh, and he's also <laughs> uh, one of the Corleone hitmen in uh, the God in both the first two Godfather movies. Uh, he's one of the guys during the right. assassination of the five families. He traps the guy in the revolving door, shoots him through the glass. And then in the Godfather Part 2 has a right. much, Willie Chichi, wow. big, big part in Part 2, where he's like Frankie Five Angels, like right-hand man for a while and stuff. But if you're sitting there wondering, right. like, I know that guy from something, that's what, these are the three things you're likely to know him from. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Gazzo gets on Rocky's case for not breaking Bob's thumbs. And it's like, if you're not going to be an enforcer, like what, literally, what good are you, man? Like, get mm. your shit together. Yeah. And he goes into the gym, finds that they've changed the locks on mm. his locker. Because uh, it isn't, isn't it? He's had this locker for six years and they just like take it from him. 
And I think this is the first time we see Mick. Yeah. Yep. Um, yeah. And he's like, he's basically like, you're, you're a bum. Like, I'm not, I don't give lockers yeah. to bums. This guy's, this, guy? this guy's, yeah. this guy's a champion. He needed your locker. So I gave it to him. And it's just like yet another thing of just Rocky being like, I can't catch a fucking break. But you know, Mickey's got a point because Rocky described boxing mm. as a hobby. Mm. You know, um, mm. it was, it's not his passion yet, or at least he doesn't know that it yeah. is, you know, he's, and he's we, not, he's yeah. not willing to admit it to himself that it's like the thing that he's, and so some to people do. might try to right. make it into some kind of Yoda thing where Mickey is doing it in, a, in an effort to motivate Rocky. But at this point, I think it genuinely is like quite, <laughs> quite genuine disdain he has for him. I'm like, no, get out of here, man. You're, you are yeah. just a bum. Yeah. And we yeah. and we learn more about the about that why the source of that disdain a few mm. scenes later, right? Um, right. So Rocky goes to the bar where he meets his best friend Paulie, played by Burt Young. Uh, they don't make him like Burt Young mm-hmm. anymore. Nope, they just don't. Um, what a what a what a what a guy! What a guy Paulie is. Just, <laughs> I mean, yeah, just there, like Rocky. There's something he's kind of like the opposite of Rocky because there's just something so also like human and i've known so many polys and i'm no you know or like this guy that just life has never thrown him a kindness and he's just had to kind of fight for everything that he has and it hasn't made him a very nice person but the more you learn about his lot in life you kind of understand why he's as bristly as he is even Mm. towards his friends yeah and his whole arc in this movie is like his life is so sad um, and, and, and part of it is like, this is the irony of, of, of him being so mean to Adrian. As we learn over the course of the movie, the reason that he treats her like shit is because he blames her because he loves her so much. He wants to protect her, make sure that she's okay. He has given up on any dreams that he could have possibly had just to make sure that she has a roof mm, over her. Yeah. Head. Um, and it's like, and he's like mad at her. Cause he's like, if you would just get fucking married, I wouldn't have to deal with this anymore. And then I could find a girl and settle down. Maybe I don't know. And then just the fact that he's so low that he looks up mm. to Rocky. He looks at Rocky's life and he's like, you're an enforcer. I could do that. I could make money doing that. That, right. that he, sounds he's always like, like, yeah, at the bar, he's like, Hey, we talked to Gazo about me. Like I'm good yeah. for it. You know, it's kind of not like two actors where one's like, well, at least you have an agent. I don't even have an agent, you know? Totally. Totally. I mean, that's the thing. This whole movie, I think the other movies really do just become like, you know, a franchise about Rocky Balboa. But this first movie is all sort of allegorical in terms of like literally Sylvester Stallone. There's one-to-ones on everything against Mm. Stallone's career at this point. And like, wanting to be a lead actor, but everyone thinks yeah. of him as a bum. Like, he's just nothing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, in the same bar, kind of continuing that one-to-one, uh, Rocky on the TV sees Apollo Creed. And yep. they're advertising that he's like, oh, he's looking for a fight. He's got a big fight coming up. He's on top. And the bartender's like, ah, Creed's a clown. Like, and it's, it's so the way they place Creed in this story is really interesting because it's like he's been on top for a while. And he's kind of crested, and people—you could argue—he's almost started to become like a parody yeah. of himself. Well, I mean, um, we, we see his entrance later. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Right. he's become yeah. a showman. You know, he's—he's—he's mm-hmm. he's, he's not above selling out. Um, but that's—that's that's sort of what happened to Muhammad Ali in the later days. Like that's. 
that's why it's sort of the one to one in terms of like he was so good no one would fight him anymore and so he just had to like put on a show to like mm. do anything you know yeah he had become more of a or at least apollo created has become more of a businessman at this right. point than like an athlete right. but rocky's admiration of apollo creed is unspoken but it's all in stallone's like delivery of yeah. like apollo creed a clown like no dude like this this guy went the distance what, mm. what have you done because because the concept right is that apollo creed he is from philadelphia right so he's like a hometown boy i don't immediately remember he's from philadelphia. i can't remember from the creed movies i think they go into it more in the creed movies in terms of where he's from but i because mm-hmm. i don't think it's harlem that he's from right because like New York, I don't remember anyway. Yeah. But like, I'll, yeah. I, but I, I like the idea. I mean, maybe this is this is proven wrong later. But I like the idea of him being a hometown boy, and so like that's another reason why like Rocky looks up to him. It's like, oh, mm-hmm. he came from here. He came mm-hmm. from nothing. And now yeah. look at him. You know, uh, underrated joke is when he gets on the bartender. It's like, how can we? You know, when, when are you ever going to take your shot? And he's like, oh, you want me to take take a shot? And he pours a shot. Like, there, I'm taking a shot. <laughs> <laughs> um great ensemble because the next scene uh we meet marie uh kind of like a local a local neighborhood girl that's hanging out with these like you know hoods hanging by like the stoop of a shop and rocky takes it upon himself to like drag her away from the guys and is like you know tutting her the entire walk in that right. classic rambling rocky balboa way of like, hey, you know, there's only one kind of girl, you know what I mean? Only one kind of girl that hangs out with all those guys. And, you know, it's your reputation. And yeah. it's like, oh, he's talking about mm. himself. Because at some point, your rep, you know, people stop seeing you and they just start seeing your reputation. Oh, Marie's a, a whore. And he's like, I don't want to say that word, but, you know, Rocky's yeah. a bum. Yeah. <laughs> I should say, I quickly looked it up yeah. uh, just in case anyone's yelling at their podcatcher. Uh, Apollo Creed <laughs> good, was good born uh, August 17th, 1942 in Los Angeles County. So he's a California Whoa. man, apparently. Of course he is. Interesting. Okay, oh, okay. that's right. Because in Rocky Three, they he goes back to his gym, and ah. it's in LA. Oh, it is in. Okay, okay, okay. It's like, I'm going to teach it. If this is where I learned how to fight. That's right. That's right. Um. Yeah. It's it's uh 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 that scene though that you're talking about with Marie. Um. First of all, screw you, Creepo. Um, one of the best. <laughs> Just one of the best, uh-huh. uh, period. Uh, but also becomes very important for yeah, Rocky Balboa. Yeah. Um, that was one of the, the, one of the reasons uh, I was so happy I rewatched Rocky One <laughs> before Rocky Balboa because I was like, ah, mm-hmm. that's cool. the kid. <laughs> oh. Absolutely. But it's, it, it's a real uh, moment though, just like oh, kicking the guy when he's down. <laughs> he's like, this is gonna be too. He's been nice <laughs> right. to this kid, and the kid just turns around, and just like, nope, you're not even gonna get a little bit of relief there, man. Everyone, everyone's gonna dump on my you. Life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, we cut back to Apollo Creed's office. Uh, we meet uh, a really underrated character, in my opinion. He's throughout the series, uh, Bill Duke Evers. Right. Apollo's- Unnamed in this movie, but yes. definitely um, a major player. I, I love, I, I know this comes later, but I love the scene where he's watching Rocky pound that meat on on the news yeah. and he's just like uh, uh you might want to come see this <laughs> and like <laughs> oh and then like you just you pan for and apollo is like oh yeah tell the mayor i'm gonna send some flowers to his wife you know like not thinking yeah. about the fight at he's all. like can you can you come look at it yeah i give a shit yeah. i know he's a boxer <laughs> i don't care he's like oh not Jesus. to lower the tone of the podcast too but you saying like he's watching rocky pound that meat on the news and saying you gotta come see this is out of context is uh, <laughs> a hell of a sentence uh, <laughs> 
Uh, well, there's well, a, it's a good there's thing a... we have the context. <laughs> he uh, he invented it, Nile. <laughs> he in- invented beating. I guess I invented it. <laughs> so uh, then Apollo kind of sets up like, oh, I need to fight. I need to put on a show. I know. I'll pick someone, a Snow White underdog, out of the crowd and give him a shot in the spotlight to fight me, Apollo Creed. And like, just want to take a moment because, we, you know, we've said a lot about like Carl Weathers just being like the coolest dude alive. And yeah. the choice to make Apollo Creed like a heroic, you understand why this dude's a superstar. Uh, the movie shows like Apollo Creed's folly is hubris, but mm-hmm. he's not the villain of this. Movie. No, no, he's, no. He's maybe the antagonist, but right. like, you know, I just think, you know, cause like a lot, there's been said much said about kind of the race relations of Rocky about how it's like, uh, a white athlete toppling one of the few like black role model athletes in like this fictional world and like taking him down and like, you know, steals his thunder. But I, so I think it's worth a lot the way this movie treats Apollo, not with derision or scorn, but like, no, he's the shit. He's awesome. There's no, there's no, like this is a a really smart strategy for him to, for him to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And like you said, he's not the villain. That's why in the third one, when you introduce Clubber Lane, they're like, now there's yeah. a villain. This is our there's first no, villain. There's no scenes of Apollo um, Creed leaning into Rocky going like, I will destroy you or anything. Like it's more – yeah. Like it's, yeah. It's, it's a business transaction. He doesn't yeah. particularly care about Rocky, but it's not like he doesn't right. dislike him or anything. He doesn't want to kill him or anything. Right. right. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a precursor of the lessons Rocky's going to learn later, which is like – Sometimes success and wealth can cloud your judgment and mm-hmm. you're not taking the threats that are coming your way yeah, seriously. Yeah. I, will, right. I will say, too, as someone uh, who spent a lot of time talking about uh, Batman 1989, uh, all the talk of uh, doing something for a bicentennial and speaking in sort of these offices and stuff was just like, oh, man, this is really ringing a lot of oh, bells yeah. for me. And then particularly later on, <laughs> Paul Keats was like throwing money at the crowd and stuff. I was like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. This really strikes me as familiar oh, yeah. now. That's funny. Uh, we get to we cut to uh, we cut back to Rocky, and uh, is this a this in I wrote down in my notes some guys they just hate. And is that oh yeah reference? the the driver the driver yeah yeah and it's it's just I mean like this script is full of like you can live your life according to lines in this script yeah and. Like that's such a line that you you that's a lesson you learn coming up in a certain place of like no some sometimes you're gonna meet people that are just awful rotten people right. <laughs> that just have nothing and you know like you just have to deal with it yeah well and I also think that that guy um, was probably um, threatened by Rocky in terms of like you know I think he assumes that one day. Gazo is going to name a replacement and I, it's going to be me. So fuck this guy. I'm going to put him down every chance I get because he's not taking my slot, you know? Right. Uh, And so I think that there's an element of that Mm. going on as well. I really resent that guy though, because one thing I really respect about Rocky Balboa Mm -hmm. as a man who wears a hat myself is that he (laughs) gets an iconic hat look going. And according to the rest of the franchise, Rocky never lets that go. He knows a good look. When he yeah. sees one. And that other guy, his hat is too small for him. Yeah. And it looks 
terrible. Yeah. <laughs> so I kind of see yeah. him sitting there going, putting down a guy with a good hat game, going like, who are you to talk, man? <laughs> like, go out there, get out the <laughs> haberdasher and get yourself sorted, goddammit, because this is ridiculous. Think, think you're better than me? Wearing a hat? Wearing a better hat than me? <laughs> I think I might be in my hat's, uh, small hat syndrome. He's just like, yeah, I can't take it. <laughs> uh, Apollo picks Rocky out of the crowd because he likes his name. Yeah. The Italian mm-hmm. Stallion. Uh, who, who, who discovered America? The Italians. I'm going to fight one of yeah. his descendants. We'll say that uh, when I attempted to join <laughs> the chat, uh, I tried to put in my name as the Italian Stallion. Or it Nihilian stuff. <laughs> nice. And it, it wouldn't let me. It just said, nope. It came up in red. And I, oh, Niall, then. I was like, oh, god damn it. But I don't know. I just wanted it on record that it was, the joke was attempted, but uh, sadly did not come to pass. Yeah. They Sam recognized Casper. it as a, as a, a bad pun. Yeah. They were, like, they were no. just like, we, have, we, we get this <laughs> no, all nonsense. the time. We're, n- we're cutting it out. <laughs> you shall not pass. We're high class <laughs> service. But I should also um, mention, too, though, that um, the Italian stallion. Uh, I believe during Stallone's, you know, his uh, wilderness years, uh, he was in some softcore uh, erotica, basically, for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them was called, like, The Party at Pinky and Studs, I want to, I think it was called. Uh, and basically, after Rocky happened in, you know, in the boom of VHS and 80s, it was re-released. He's in it for, like, five seconds. But it was re-released as The Italian Stallion starring Sylvester Stallone. And, uh, of course, people would <laughs> oh, go there wow. going, oh, man, here we go, and then find out, like, no, it's a porn movie where Stallone features in the background as, like, a pizza guy for, like, five seconds. Kudos yeah. for knowing the original name. Oh, I, I went deep in my research, Nick. Don't, don't you worry. I've, I've made sure to comb through that movie head to toe. There, <laughs> There is an episode of I Love the 70s on, from VH1 where I learned a lot of stuff for the first time. Um, and, and they talk about how, yeah, this kind of became an unexpected, you know, hit on the home video market because people were like, hey, the guy from Rocky, you see his, you see his wang, maybe. <laughs> and Chazzy, no, no, wow. not to this day. No, I don't think so. You get close <laughs> with Demolition Man, but uh, yeah, still right. not, you know, maybe that, that the weird foam <laughs> Stallone that showed up in Australia recently. They got the, the frozen and ice John Spartan. <laughs> right. <laughs> People try to track that down, maybe um, to finally get a glimpse. But uh, <laughs> well, he's then, wearing he's wearing <laughs> underpants. Yeah, Italian Apollo Creed versus the Italian Stallion sounds like a damn monster movie. <laughs> Great. Yeah. Um, Scott, you mentioned at the very beginning that this movie uh, reminds you of Thanksgiving and mm-hmm. that time of year, and Thanksgiving itself features very prominently into this movie. It was uh, mm-hmm. the date of Rocky and Adrian's first date. Mm-hmm. Uh, Apollo, Apollo, uh, Pauly invites Rocky over for Thanksgiving, insisting the whole time that he told Adrian that he was coming, that it's not going to be a big surprise. It is. Uh, Adrian retreats into her room and the movie, like, you know, like, Hey, cool. Mumblecore. This is so awkward. Mm. Yes. And it, the movie just holds and won't let you leave this living room. And, uh, we get a little bit of Polly's abrasiveness and his, vi- his volatileness where he like, you know, Adrian's like, I have a turkey in the oven. Like, oh, you have a turkey in the oven. Oh, you have a turkey in it. And throws mm. it out. Makes her. But, but saves it, some of it. So yes, some of it offers it to Rocky. <laughs> yeah. Um, and here's the thing about Polly is like, you know, that's not okay. You know, whatever, you know, like that, you know, he's very, you know, mean and angry and he's violent. And he scares Adrian, but it's like, 
in his own misguided, flawed way, he like, who knows what would have happened if he had just let, you know, okay, Rocky, go home. Okay, Adrian, go to your room. Because like, they go on their first date yeah, after this. Yeah. And like, right. they go on the roller rink. And it's kind of because of Polly's doing in a really unfortunate way. <laughs> I would say, yeah. as, as it goes on throughout the movie too, Polly really knows how to ruin holidays. Like, he takes out Thanksgiving. <laughs> he takes yeah. out Christmas in this. Like... I think his own yeah, birthday. It's like at really, one point. it must be every uh, time there's a special occasion coming up. Like, oh god, I mean, we got to invite him. <laughs> but and, oh, jeez, just batting down the hatches. Yeah. Huh? <laughs> I it must have been a while since I've seen this movie because I don't. Think, I think the further I get into adulthood, the more I understand Polly and mm-hmm. what you know. Four or five decades of of like unrealized dreams or potential or even like fortune in any way, just kind of like twist you and compact you into this like really angry mm. person yeah um, so we talked a lot about the ice rink scene already uh lovely brilliant we get a lot of just like their chemistry and we get to live in it because there's no like escapades as scott said right oh, ice capades uh yeah. we go back ice capades <laughs> great i don't yeah brilliant i would have been <laughs> mad later if no one had <laughs> Uh, Rocky takes Adrian back to his apartment. Haven't talked about Rocky's fucking amazing 1970s mm. apartment yet. Um, he's like studio, yeah. And it's all the pet um, names hey, so too. Adrian, the little goldfish called Moby Dick. All yes. this stuff is just like uh, uh, Cuff and Link, the two yeah. turtles. Apparently, to, right. owns them to this day. Apparently, Sylvester Stallone, those two turtles. Yeah, yeah still alive. I made that note yes. too later when Mickey comes in. He's like, ah, they make good soup. I was like, outlived you, Burgess, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Those two turtles remember Burgess and Meredith. Yeah. They're still like, oh, he's an asshole. Yeah, he hated that guy. <laughs> that guy was an asshole. He's even worse than Irvin Winkler. He wanted uh, to eat us. <laughs> I'm a big fan of uh, Rocky's mattress with a stuck to the uh, doorframe with a knife mm. that I assume he uses for punching and training, yep. like home training. Yep. Yep. And Niall, you, you said something that I, 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 I put a pin in it for this scene where like, the whole time, Rocky is like, no, stay, stay. And Adrian's like, ah, I should leave. I should leave. And like, yeah, from a certain lens, looking at it now in 2022, it's like, bro, oh, yeah. like, let this, her leave. This, this like, scene does, if you don't know where it's going, it does ring very uncomfortable. And then, yeah. uh, th- th- but then you also mentioned Talia Shire's body language and acting and how right. Adrian is communicating more than she, the character is saying in the script. And there is a moment right. where Rocky... She's about to leave. She's at the door and Rocky sticks his hand in front of the door frame. And Talia Shire has this moment. I've never noticed it before where she loses a beat checking out Rocky's arms. Mm. Uh-huh. And she's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Like, <laughs> I, <laughs> and like, you really need that because I think Rocky can sense something that like, no, like I don't want you to leave because like, what if I never get this opportunity again? Right. Like, and Adrian, you kind of tell you has a moment of like, this guy is sexy. <laughs> and I, yeah. I want this, but also I'm scared. Yeah. Like, uh, the, yeah. I mean, you know, and she, she's shot. Like, that's the thing is like, it's, it's, it's this weird thing where he is being very forward, hmm. but he also knows because he knows her well, which is another thing that like doesn't really play very much in the movie, but like he knows her really well. He's known her mm. for years and he knows that if he's not forward, this is not yeah. going to go anywhere. 
because she's never going to make any he, the, the whole reason the date is right. happening is because Polly had to sort of manipulate events into it occurring. Right. So because he knew otherwise right. it just right. wouldn't happen. And I also think I also think Polly knows that she likes Rocky and has always known that she likes Rocky, mm. you know, but I think there's there's an element of him being like, yeah, but if she goes with Rocky. That's not going to amount to anything. I'm still going to have to like work at the the butcher and, you know, whatever, because Rocky's a bum. You know, he's my yeah. friend, but he's a bum, you know, <laughs> um, and, and I think now she's pushing 30. And they make that joke of like early. She's like, I'm hey, she's almost thirty. She's almost thirty. She's gonna die an old maid, you know, whatever. And he's like, I'm almost thirty. I'm not <laughs> an old maid, you know. <laughs> and and uh, it's just, I I I think that there's a lot going on in terms of like all of these characters. There's a subtlety to like their lives before the camera started rolling yeah. on the story, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Rocky knows Adrian and knows that she's not going to make the first move and knows that he's got to, like, kind of coax her into this and show that, like, hey, you're safe with me. Like, it's okay. Like, you can you can give in to this. I know that you're mm. feeling this, too. You know, but, like, all of those things in 2022 lenses feels very... Yeah, like, I mean, you know, him shaky, coming in and taking you know? off the shirt and sitting in the vest is immediately kind of like a, okay, like, what, what's happening here? Oh, man. Yep. But... But it was it was like it was like oh man he he knows what he's doing he's like I'm just gonna take off the yeah. sweater oh yep. look I'm just wearing a, a muscle shirt that's, cool. that's so weird, weird anyway. now my pants are chafing me <laughs> it's just got that <laughs> uh, and we get you know like you you know you're beautiful you look really pretty oh stop teasing I ain't teasing and then you know it ends with them kissing on the floor and it's like this release yeah. of like oh these two mm. characters you know because yeah Scott said who knows how long they've been doing the dance of like going to the pet store and saying hi to yeah. Buckus you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cuz the thing about it is like I think I think a- Adrian doesn't think she has a shot mm. in hell with right. with Rocky. She's like why know? would this big strong guy want little old me, you know. Right. And she probably just thinks like oh, he just like wants wants to get laid and then yeah. move on. Yeah. You know? Mm. Because like that's what a guy that's what guys would do with someone like me. Yeah. But she does not take into consideration that, like, no, like, Rocky's, like, super mm. into you. <laughs> these are both characters, and even Polly. these are characters that have not been to- told that they are worth anything. Oh, that, that, that's what right. I wonder, because Fit- Polly, he's the one manipulating events to get, you know, to make sure that th- this date occurred. But, like, mm-hmm. Polly's always grinding down Adrian, for one thing. And so yes. I'm kind of wondering, like, where is Bold she getting it. this impression? Like, oh, it's obviously from like the world around her, but the idea that like Rocky that would be joking when he's calling her beautiful and stuff. Like, is she getting? Is, is Paulie right. saying th- things like that to her, or is it? Well, we all know how like big assholes guys can be with like women who look any kind yeah. of way. Yeah, you know, right. I mean, there's an ongoing thread like between this one and the next movie where people just joke about her being slow. Mm. Because... Right, the driver. Yeah, because she's because she's quiet, you know, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's like, yeah, like just because she's not as boisterous as Rocky doesn't mean that she's like slow. It just means she's shy. And Rocky understands that because he's known yeah, her for so yeah. long. Right. You know, but like, like, yeah, that the driver literally calls her like the R word and Rocky right. almost like reaches into the car and going back to the Susan Sarandon thing. You're with Rocky because you can like, you know, Adrian is such a real lived in character that. She doesn't seem like a movie star playing a real no. person. She seems like, right. and it's like you're insulted with Rocky in that moment. 
you know? Right. And so then when, when, and it's also an element of like when she eventually comes out of her shell after they're together for a while, she stops wearing her classes. She's all that style. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, and, he, and he, he like walks up to her at the porch when she brings him a uh, buck kiss as a, as a present. Mm-hmm. Um, she's like, he's like, Oh my God. Like this is, this is the woman that I always saw. This is who mm-hmm. I always saw. You know, all those days of you in the pet shop, this is what I was seeing that yeah. no one else was seeing. And, and, but like, if you do, you do that with Susan Sarandon, everyone goes into the movie knowing what Susan Sarandon mm. can look like, you know? And so it just, it wouldn't have worked. Yeah. It just wouldn't have worked. I was always wonder in those scenes though, where she doesn't have uh, the glasses on, knowing that like how expensive healthcare and stuff is in America. And like, I don't even know at what <laughs> level contact lenses were in the, at this point in the 70s. Like, is Adrian, is she, is she sporting well, contacts or is she like, oh, I have blinding migraines all the time now because I'm taking off the glasses? <laughs> Yeah, I was always man when Rocky just picks up, just takes his glasses and shoves them in his pocket. I'm like, does anyone do that? <laughs> I could never do Re- that. Readers, just... yeah, my, that's my, true. Yeah, my like, because if they're just readers, my grandpa had like 15 of those goddamn things yeah. all over the house and like yeah. in his pocket. Uh, and if you're dependent on them, though, you oh, like, I'm, I'm keep those things too. like gingerly taking them off at night and stuff and putting them. Through. Make sure they right, don't scratch because right, yeah. they cost money. <laughs> That's true. I don't need glasses for reading. And then we cut to uh, Mick's audition scene, uh, which is like in the middle of the movie. And it just packs such an emotional wallop because like, you, you know, they yell and like uh, Rocky's like, why are you so mean to me, dude? Like, why are you why are you calling me a bum? And he's like, because you are like you had a shot and you didn't take it. This is a hobby to you. So I'm giving away your locker because like you're not you wasted a leg breaker. You're a waste of life. Yeah. And it's like it hit and it's like I don't think anyone's shook Rocky that way of being like, hey, man, like this isn't all on society. Mm. Right. And it like it, it cuts him. It kills the room and Rocky just walks. And it's just had such a. Yeah. yeah. Such a great I did have an interaction with uh, yeah. when I was again, when I was watching it, I put it on Facebook about like, oh, yeah, Rocky, you forget that he's an enforcer for like a low level gangster. He is the kind of guy that Batman would take out and leave hanging up in an alleyway. No wonder he ended up working for Burgess Meredith. And someone said like, yeah, but it's Burgess <laughs> Meredith who tells him that that lifestyle is terrible and you ought to get out of it. Like, you know, and I was like, well, yeah, I guess the penguin would know how worthless goons are and stuff because he had to deal with them all the goddamn time. So I've hey, seen the hey, best the penguin, youth of my, <laughs> yeah, please. The penguin, the, my, my favorite interpretation of the penguin, he's always a, a, an underdog mm. himself. He wants to be part of high society, but can't fit in with them because he's he looks the way that he looks and acts the way that he lacks. So, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. under yeah, uh, yeah. underdogs, uh, they yeah, can smell yeah. their own. <laughs> sure. Uh, then Rocky goes upstairs and gets offered, you know, the, the fight with Apollo Creed. And it's it's some incredible acting by Stallone because he turns it down. And this is where we kind of get to see what Mickey was talking about, which is. He kind of has a similar problem to Adrian where he doesn't he doesn't know how to take the shot when it comes in front of him because it's like I think we all can relate to that moment of like, wait, can I actually do the thing that I'm dreaming about doing? Right. What if I can't? What if like I embarrass myself or what if it's a big you know what? Don't I'm not a fighter. You guys made a mistake. Mm. Right. And and he wears so much of that on his face. Right. Because it's all, all like, you know, one word mm. lines. Right. Um, but then we also get to see the change on his face because we don't see him take the deal. It cuts to 
uh, Rocky's Rocky Balboa's first TV appearance. Uh, back at uh, he he goes over to Mickey's or to, to Adrian and Polly's apartment, mm-hmm. and there's this moment. Yeah, Rocky's on TV and like they're kind of like he's they're kind of sideshowing him a little bit. Yeah, it's like oh look at like look look at the dumb Italian guy he's gonna fight like ah blah blah, and Mickey kind of catches it or Polly kind of catches it. Rocky kind of brushes it aside. Um, there's this moment uh, where. Paulie is sitting in his easy chair, just surrounded by flattened beer cans and like newspapers. And I was like, you're going to own a robot someday. <laughs> like, just hang in there, Paulie. We'll get there someday. There's no idea. Um, and then afterwards we get the scene where like Rocky. Oh yeah. So, so Mickey or cheese Louise. Paulie is like trying to weasel in on the Rocky, the new Rocky mm. business. Like, hey, man, maybe I can help you out. You need a trainer? You need an assistant? I think, again, yeah. though, because I think in later well, movies, Mickey has, a, I, again, like a, almost like a Yoda vibe. And you forget that in this one, he is an opportunist at this point. He's only there because he's like, hey, I can get in on something right now. No, they, yeah. yeah. Well, well, and, and I think it's more than that, too, because I think this is a guy who has been desperate to find, like, a champion that he can, like, train. He wants mm. a legacy, you know, on his way out the door. And mm. he's d- dismissed, very openly dismissed this guy and shut him down. And he, I think he just is like, it's, it's, there is definitely an opportunistic quality to this. But I also just think he fucking feels mm. terrible. Like, that, that, I was like, you know, he's like, yeah, I could have, like, done that in a nicer way or i could have taken him aside and been like hey why are you out doing this shit why are you doing that when you could be like a really good fighter you want to get trained i'll train you up like you know and he never did that he just dismissed him openly and so i think he's here and he's just like look i i'm i'm Mm. sorry but also you need somebody because like otherwise you're going to get it's your kinda, ass handed to you and you're going to be Philadelphia. It's kind of weird. Like it's almost, the whole movie's going to kind of – because I know Philly takes real pride in this movie. But considering like you know the, the, yeah. the, the people we see living there, it all seems to come from people who don't know how to treat each other because Paulie doesn't know how yeah. to treat his sister. Like he, you know, he could be nicer in the way he wants her to you know get out of the house and go up, live her life and stuff like that. But he's just – he comes across as horrifically abusive, and I guess yeah, it's because the environment yeah. that he—that's what Paulie knows. That's how he was treated, and then Mickey's the same. Like he could, be like, yeah, I could have done that nicer, but what he knows from you know, as an old man who's been going through it his entire life, is like you just give people crap the whole time. Like that's what you do. Mm-hmm. Well, it's not—it's not the first movie, and it's not the last movie to uh, treat the city of brotherly love with a with a little <laughs> bit of irony. <laughs> I uh I was getting my IE names mixed up, uh, listeners between Rocky and Polly and Mickey. But uh, to go back to the Polly scene at, at the house, there's a scene that just really bowled me over because, like, you know, they were kind of poking fun at Rocky on the TV, and Rocky's like, "I don't mind." And then later outside with him and Adrian, uh, Adrian's like, "Hey, like, sorry about all that." And Rocky's like, "Hey, remember when I said I didn't mind? Like, I do." Like, I do mind that I get that I'm a joke. I get that they're making fun of me. And it really hit me as poignant in a way that I don't even know Stallone could have imagined. But like, you know, Stallone's a millionaire. He's a movie star. He's an icon. But he's also a guy who for his entire life has been people have made fun of the way that he looks Mm. and talks. Yep. And it's another one to one thing of like, 
gosh, it, he didn't even know. Like he's about to live that life for the rest of his career of at one at once being adored and also being written off as like a dumb meathead yeah, he talks funny. Yeah. And right. it's like, gosh, he's about to live that. You know, yeah. he's a guy's gonna go through like yeah. mammoth yeah. hits, like you know, like you know, First Blood Part Two, which is you know huge box office. But at the same time, people are always mocking the character of Rambo because it's like, oh, this doofy friggin' mm-hmm. he went and won Vietnam for everybody kind of thing. So it's like, yeah, having to take two things mm-hmm. at the same time. Uh, have you heard? Have y'all heard the story of why, like, he has such a distinct, like, vocal like voice pattern and like he was. When he was born, they were still using like those clamps. Oh, those like metal clamps that you would use to like pull like a baby out. And yeah, and in, in the process, it I don't know if they grabbed him by the head, but like Stallone at birth suffered like nerve mm. damage. Oh, and so it's like from the moment he was born, there were things outside of his control that were making him, and also things that were going to like just add to this like. One once one of a kind, you know, mm. people, right, right. Um, wow. and then yeah, gosh, and that scene after when he's he's yelling at Mickey and he's like, I don't need you, like I'll fight him. And then we, I love that we don't see, we don't get to hear what Rocky and Mick say to each other. We just get the Bill Conti score and like that wide shot of him running out to Mickey and like they say something to each other, and strike yeah. a deal. Yeah, right. Although I did appreciate. Uh, I don't know if it was deliberate. Uh, sort of parallel, the, the, the in any way parallel thinking, but I know in the the scene earlier when uh, Rocky shows up at, at Thanksgiving and Adrian goes and locks herself in the room and he makes an attempt to right. talk her out and he's like, "Hey, this is a little weird. I ain't never talked to no door before," and it goes, all this kind of stuff. And then we see him talking to a door full tilt later on when Mickey <laughs> leaves. <laughs> oh yeah, you think this is the first time I've talked to a door? <laughs> Not. Uh, and then the next morning at 4 a.m., we get uh, one of many iconic scenes, certainly one that left a lasting cultural legacy. Rocky wakes up, opens the fridge, and downs, I want to say, five mm. eggs. Yeah. That adds up, yeah. man. It it takes me like three, two, three, two, three days to eat that many eggs. He's doing it in a day. He's buying mm. a lot of eggs. Yeah. Well, I, eggs are cheap in the 70s um uh, like that was that was one of the things that my 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 grandma um my italian grandma would always tell me she's like <laughs> she would say uh, doesn't matter how poor you are like as long as you can buy a bag of potatoes and eggs you can eat like a king and i was like okay <laughs> thanks <laughs> no, right it's a good thing it's not going for like powdered eggs or um, something though and just like having to put it in all dry <laughs> stuff that was mouth. But, yeah this, yeah this, this, it's, um, it's it, it, the the egg thing the egg thing is just like it's like the original protein yeah, shake yeah you know mm-hmm. but like the idea of eating raw eggs is just so dangerous mm. now you know but like back <laughs> then I guess it was just like I I think it was just the way that that all of that stuff was processed was differently it didn't have like all those growth hormones and shit in it that you need to like cook the eggs to make them yeah. safe to eat you know. Yeah. So, Niall, have you ever done this? Have before? I ever eaten raw eggs? Uh, I just desp- I despise yeah. eggs in general. So, like it, it, on every right. level, I was like, they're, they're, I'd almost a raw <laughs> egg would be more appetizing to me than a than a cooked egg, to be quite frank. But right. 
Um, but th- this whole sequence, though, um, always makes me think of uh, Monty Python did a spoof of this where they had John Cleese as like a boxer out training. And they, I think instead of like drinking the, the eggs, he was drinking like friggin' cement or something. And then all his training was basically I... like slamming his head into a steel girder and getting run over by a car and stuff like that. But it was all done <laughs> for the sort of Rocky montage and stuff. Monty Python and Rocky seem like two completely different eras, but that's absolutely not true. Yeah, like, totally. Yeah. You're right. Happening congruently. I think it's like a, the Python wow. starting. I don't know if it was later Python or if that was early Python. I'm not actually. No, it would have been later. I think Holy Grail was like 75. Yeah, so it must have been like later, like near the yeah. last season of the show or something. I guess. Yeah. Crazy. Wow. Um, and then like I love, I love the opening of like it's 4 a.m. Like we've all been there where it's like the first day. You know, and no one else is awake. No one's cheering you on. It's just you doing your awkward little stretches outside of your apartment. Yeah. And I think that's why this is such an inspirational movie for so many people, whether you're an athlete or not, because like it all starts with like, all right, I'm just going to start running, you know? Right. Right. It's so all of these scenes, all of these shots were stolen. Every single <laughs> one of them. Yeah. Um, rock. And all of the people. Uh, are just real people who are just looking at a guy running while a camera shoot, <laughs> follows him. So you have a word um, for Ed Wood. Like I can everyone work for is like Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> yeah, there's a guy who who throws an orange <laughs> at him, and he was trying to hit Sylvester Stallone with the orange, like because he thought that would be funny because he's like shooting it on the camera, and then mm-hmm. and like Sly just happened oh. to catch it, and he was like, if I hadn't caught that orange. Um, I don't know, like it would have ruined the shot and cost us a lot of money. So like I had to make sure I had to like, he had to like, whenever they were shooting in a place with like a lot of people, he had to be like very aware of everyone and Mm -hmm. had to like improv stuff to like keep up the act that he's Rocky and that like these people know Rocky and you know, this this is really happening. It's like uh, Adam Sandler and Uncut Gems. (laughs) They were in on the streets of New York and people would be like, hey, and he has to be like, no, fuck off. But it's it works because like he owes everyone yeah. money. <laughs> oh, yeah. So it's like, oh, that's for some reason, I, I just I was just thinking of that nice. scene in uh, being John Malkovich where he comes out of the like on the turnpike and some guy goes like, hey, Malkovich, yeah. think fast and throws a can at his head. I was like, I wonder if it was the same guy. Yeah, <laughs> it's like it's another random celebrity. Get my, my pile of stuff to throw at them. <laughs> uh, we uh, Rocky visits Polly at work. Where uh, in in the meat freezer, where uh, Paulie's still trying to kind of weasel into the you know the Gazo business, we get the great uh, we fill each other's gaps line, where it's it they really ride that line well of Paulie's like oh look I he's still it's such a dance because he's like look my sister sucks but like I want to take care of her and Stallone's like they're he's like don't talk to your don't talk about your sister that way but then he's still kind of being protective it's just so mm. interesting and then. Yep. Uh, we get so there's a moment where uh, he he hits the meat for the first time, or po- wait, Polly kind of hits the meat first, right? <laughs> like, hey, you can you can box it. That's gonna be like but later on. For a when second, they, oh, I guess I invented it. Oh no, tree park, <laughs> Mickey here, kid. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, it's almost like a scene from a biopic because there's this moment of discovery that Rocky has. He's like, wait a second, I could, I could box <laughs> with this. Yeah, <laughs> I think I'm gonna train uh, here. Yeah, it's like it's like hitting a real person that, I, that I'm going <laughs> like to hitting later. Oh yeah, they're also on, made of meat. <laughs> yeah, and he's on the news. We saw, yeah, like uh, uh, Duke was watching on the news. Rocky's like fists are covered with blood, 
and he's just yeah. punching me and he's like oh shit i think this guy thinks mm. it's a real fight <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> i think this pick someone starving and out of obscurity and plopping onto a national stage for the biggest fight of his career might have backfired and <laughs> um, we get the uh classic line women uh weaken legs mm. right as rocky's learning balance for mickey the old shoelace trick of like you know if you can not move your feet and break the shoe laces that means you've achieved balance mm. Mm. uh and then butkus we get the great scene with butkus uh and then butkus is becomes part of rocky's training they start mm. running together yeah and then it's christmas and as uh niall said uh Polly ruins another holiday. <laughs> but well, this this one he ruins in like spectacular fashion. <laughs> it's perfectly choreographed though, because like, you know, they're talking shit about Polly in that like, I don't know what he wants from me. He keeps bringing up Gazo and like I can't do anything. And we see Polly come in and like the one thing that would set this guy off, and it's so human, is mm. ego. Like I'm not a charity case. You're in my house. I gave you my sister. Fuck you. And then like Scott said, it's like he starts unloading and wailing on this tea set. It's like, I'm not married because of you. I don't have kids because of you. I've been taking care of you your whole life. And it's a lot like the excuses Rocky makes as to why his boxing career. Like you can you can buy that. Yeah, life hasn't been fair to these two. But also it's like not entirely out of their control. But like Mm -hmm. who among us, you know, Mm. right. And Burt Young is just absolutely heartbreaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but I will say another aspect of of this this Christmas sequence um, that mm-hmm. I absolutely love and just is is one of the many reasons why I love Rocky Balboa as a character with my whole heart is that he makes uh he ma- he makes a little cotton beard for his poster <laughs> of Rocky Marciano. <laughs> <laughs> he just puts a little Santa Claus beard on him because he's like, it's yeah. Christmas. <laughs> but that's the thing. Like, everything about Rocky is just like the little glimmer of humor and light in very dark scenarios. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, he lives in a dump and everything's horrible, but like, he can still have a little bit of fun with things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I'm just thinking about it. Like, Rocky, Christmas, and Thanksgiving, I think we're going to talk a lot about as the series goes on. Yep. Yeah. Um, I also think it's interesting. I never remember that mm-hmm. the bicentennial fight takes place on on New Year's Day, nineteen seventy six. Like I always oh, not, think, yeah. like, oh, why wouldn't it be Fourth of July? <laughs> like, yeah. That's the only reason the Polly's in the crowd is to see if he can ruin New Year's Day for everybody. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yes. Oh, let me out! I gotta talk to my friend Rock about a deal. <laughs> Uh, we get eat lightning, crap no. thunder. Oh, that was the thing too, because like, as the guy no, says, you're gonna eat lightning and crap. Like, <laughs> what guy? You? <laughs> like, who, who is this guy? Yeah. Uh, oh, there's another part where he's like, yeah, like the Bible said, you know, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose, or something like that. <laughs> the Lord doth say it that. Yeah, that's <laughs> true. Yeah. And I guess you know, if you <laughs> sum it up, <laughs> that's, that's yeah, that's essentially nice. what it's saying. <laughs> You know, they say that cinema is ultimately about the marriage of sight and sound. Uh, visuals complementing sound, audio, music, and vice versa. And, you know, this sequence has been parodied countless times to the point where it's almost kind of, it's difficult to watch earnestly, mm. but 
I would argue that the gonna fly now montage is one of it's it's like the marriage of sight and sound like it's like the you've get pumped watching that and it's mm-hmm. it works on a film level because it's like you're seeing Rocky start to like I mean like the stairs you see him run up the stairs and be winded and then this this montage climax with him just like bounding up the stairs and he's so like elated and he's like I did it I did get strong mm. now <laughs> right he did fly now as well yeah <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah I think I think it's weird like, because yeah the, the franchise that grows to depend on montage is so much that it kind of veers it into mm-hmm. parody but it, it, yeah that thing of going oh you go back yeah. the, the reason they did it over and over is because it works so well like you know you don't right. you know you don't throw it out if it's broken so or if it's not broken yeah. I, I am excited like you know Polly's robot Miss MIA and, and, and aside, I am mm. excited to rewatch or, or to watch the director's cut mm. of Rocky Four, just because like I because that is such a montage yeah. factory. The, the it's basically like six montages, movie. you know, strung together <laughs> with like one or two scenes. Yeah, with right. Um, so I'm I'm excited to see if there's there's if that's changed in that version, but I yeah. haven't seen it yet. If you have time, Scott, I would also recommend yeah. free on YouTube and Nile as well. There is a a documentary on YouTube for free about following Stallone editing the Rocky Four oh. director's cut. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. good. Yeah, I'll have to give and that a look. It, it's fascinating because you see him watching the movie and he's like, what the fuck? What was I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> Hubris. Uh, one, one thing that, uh, and, uh, that I think, really strikes please. me about the, you know, the classic montage of the original one from 76 mm-hmm. is that because the, the, I don't know if it was meme just like casting it out of my mind. But like, you know, the score is so iconic, but you remember the orchestral part. But in that montage, yes. there is a kind of 70s wah-wah guitar thing going on as well. This actually does yeah. date it quite a bit, yeah. but it's just it's so era like specific. Oh, yeah. So I don't know if it's a conscious, you know, mm-hmm. cultural collective uh, unconscious has erased that from our minds or if it's just that, like, oh, they do the montage with that music so often that another yeah. version of it will not have that there. But, of course, the one made in 76 yeah. gu- almost had to have that in there. The guitar solo is so – you know what else is that the movie is very quiet up to this point. And yeah. it's – you could mistake it for, like, yeah, like a Scorsese movie or a Coppola movie. And then out of nowhere, there's just this wall of sound mm. with an electric guitar solo of this guy doing one-arm push-ups. And you're, the movie just ratchets up to another mm. level for a few minutes. Yeah. And I think it's, like, overpowering. Yeah. Yeah. Have yeah. we skipped over the scene um, where Rocky goes in and he sees his poster and it's got the wrong? Oh, it's no, after, after that. Okay, that's okay. after the montage. Uh, yeah, but yeah, but it is the next scene. It's interesting. Yeah. But because uh, that's uh, one of the ones I think he, that they they say that like yeah, that was that was a production mistake that they painted the shorts wrong, and they they, they ended oh, up using yeah. it in the finished movie. But it also works as such a good character moment for Rocky because it's like. After all the training he's doing and all the prep and how much this means to him, it's kind of like they don't take it. They still don't take him seriously in any way. They're just like, oh, yeah, who cares about your shorts? Like, that's what's the matter? Man? Like, it's not important, but it's important. It's so important to him. But then it's just like, oh, they didn't even care enough right. to get that right. Like the, the simplest things about right. the being red shorts yeah. with a white line. Well, he, he, and the guy also, the promoter, is also just like he's like, "Hey, nice seeing you." And he's like, "Hey, you got the color of my shorts right? Wrong, shorts wrong." And he's like, "Have a good fight tomorrow." <laughs> and like that's it. Like just doesn't even. 
just like doesn't then, even like reference it. He's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, okay, I'm done talking to you now. It, this it could be though if it was a genuine <laughs> mistake. It's Sloan's only noticing it now. The guy next to him's just not a very good improviser, so he's like, uh, <laughs> have a good fight tomorrow. <laughs> See ya. <laughs> Yoinks himself off camera. Uh, and I think Niall's right. It is perfectly placed because it is after the greatest montage in movie history of like. You're a hero, Rocky. You did it. You won to the top of the stairs. And then it's like back to earth of like, no yeah. one gives a shit. Yeah. It's like the people yeah. who were putting this on consider you to be a novelty act. Like that's all you, you are. Right. This, this, this is, movie, yeah. though, it built an entire structure for this kind of underdog yeah. story. Like Karate Kid is structured exactly mm. the same, which is a bunch of slice of life stuff for the first hour and a half, then a montage, a training montage, and then a quiet scene before the big fight, and then the preparation for the big fight montage, and then the last, the third act yeah. is the big fight. Um, mm-hmm. And then and then it's over. They're like, they're out. <laughs> Credits. Oh, yeah, that, yeah, I, was, that's, it's so, I always forget how abruptly the Karate Kid ends, where you're like, oh, there's no epilogue? Yeah. Like, the, the epilogue's part two, <laughs> but, yeah. like, no. There's right. uh, there's no sad ending of Daniel and, and, and Mr. Miyagi walking melancholy <laughs> alone down the street. Right, right. <laughs> well, at least we have each other. <laughs> uh, maybe my favorite scene of the movie is, like, the final scene before the fight, where Rocky comes back. He's a little dejected from his from the experience in the ring and then also it's just finally hitting him like oh shit it's tomorrow and he just unloads on adrian of like i don't i like yeah maybe this doesn't matter but like i'm probably gonna lose but like i'm nobody like i'm not gonna matter after this fight but if i can just last 15 rounds if i could just show the world one time that i'm not Mm. a bum everything will be worth it and it's the soul of the soul of I think why this character survived going as big as he did and us not leaving him behind to an extent is like gosh like everyone has mm. felt that of like right. if I could just show the world for like five minutes that I that I matter right then like I can be I can die happy or die content and, you know and this scene I mean this is like I, again like I I don't know that a sports movie had ever had that scene they were like you know in a lot of the i watched like i i'm not kidding like seven documentaries about the making of this movie um (laughs) there's so many uh but like in one of them they were talking about how like sports movies at this time there was no belief that they weren't going to make it like the underdog element was a presumed thing but the reason that they overcome being the underdog is because they never stop believing themselves and sylvester stallone's like that's not reality you're losing and you stop to believe you stop believing in yourself. And and I wanted to make a movie that shifts gears. And now every underdog story after this does this same thing. Even like Eddie the Eagle does this, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, like yeah. you know, a, 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 about a ski jumper like the, the, the feels like the total mm. opposite of, mm. of Rocky and a boxing movie still has this exact same structure. All Disney's coming Hercules. Kind of tries to yep. recapture that. You know, they have a song totally. called Go the Distance. Totally. Totally. Yes. So many little things. Like It's and, coming up in a little yeah. bit, but I was curious. Uh, I'd love to try to track it down in some way. But the whole business of in the final fight, where they keep cutting to other 
people watching it on TV, which is such a trope now. Like, you know, you can think of like the end of the Truman Show or whatever. <laughs> there's a guy in a bath watching it and there's people in bars. I was wondering, though, is yeah. this the first was... movie to do that? Because I was trying to think of any other film beforehand that would have a major event that would just cut the random people around the city actually sitting and taking it in. And I don't know if it is because, you know, it's such a it's used as such great effect in this movie. I don't know if they originated it right. or if it was already a thing that was well established. I don't know. It's really That's... interesting because you know, it's, it's a little bit before all three of ours time. But I wonder if right. by 76, the idea of theoretically, you know, you, you go to anyone's house or a bar and you're going to have a TV. Yeah. Right. And it had become a communal experience at that point. Right. Yeah. But I don't know. Like, yeah, I don't know if, uh, if yeah, I can't think this, of... if anything like that happened before. That's a really good question, Niall. I, I, I would guess like maybe yeah. not, yeah. Um, you know, like it, it's, it's cause this movie is full of so many shots of just like everybody's friends, mm. you know, <laughs> um, one, one aspect that I, speaking of people's friends and people who worked on this movie, one aspect that I forgot to mention is that um, this was an early film for uh, Lloyd Kaufman back when he used to work in the studio system before um, founding mm. Troma. And, uh, and, and this was, he said this was like a, um, an important movie for him because it was non-union. Uh, which would become very important to him. <laughs> like you, you can do that, <laughs> but but it was, yeah. But it was it was it was non-union, and he was he was surprised by how much the studio sort of like was what wasn't bothering them, was just letting them shoot this movie and do whatever it took. And he was like, and the best part was, once the shoot was over, all of the stress of making the movie mm. was done. It was it was done because the edit was not stressful. Like the edit, like there wasn't studio people coming in and telling you to change this or shift this or make sure this person gets 38% of the close-ups in this scene or like whatever. Like yeah. none of that was happening. They got to just make the movie that they wanted to make. It was pure art. And he's like in that working on Rocky inspired me to like end up starting trauma, which, you know, it's all schlock, but it had that same, element of like i don't have to worry about a studio bothering me i'm not gonna bother my guy this movie only cost you know uh, fifty thousand dollars <laughs> like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna tell him i'm not gonna dictate how he cuts his movie because it doesn't matter you know wow. um and and yeah he talks about a lot about that about how how much this movie was like inspired his like the rest of his career after this so without rocky might not have gotten yeah. his gun very and then you go, true. Sylvester Stallone shows up in Guardians of the Galaxy Part Two, and yep. freaking he's paying it back, yeah, paying it forward, Suicide Squad. paying it back, paying it forward. <laughs> <laughs> Just have Killer Shark at one point going, "I made it, <laughs> I did." It. <laughs> this is what it was all for—the oh, voice God. of CGI Shark in fifty years' time. <laughs> he has like a little, he has like a little photo of his of his in his wallet of like a lady shark with like the the Adrian hat <laughs> and like the skirt. <laughs> Uh, so it's the day of the fight, y'all. Uh, I love uh, Rocky telling Adrian, "Hey, don't leave town." <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> it's uh, oh, and then like you get he has the meat, Polly's meat locker or freezer, kind of like his meat packing company, like on the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I love Apollo Creed's entrance. <laughs> oh, it's so it's it's so good. He was the original Hamilton, <laughs> like he was the original. <laughs> 
It's just, I may maybe oh. it makes me proud to be an American. Yeah, <laughs> I feel about that though because my reaction to like this ostentatious <laughs> performance by Apollo, particularly knowing what comes in like in part four as well, I was kind of like. <laughs> He's, he's kind of right. asking for it. Like it's it's so like obnoxious in a way to to me. I I feel bad now because I'm talking to Americans well, who are you're taking pride in it. I'm like, oh man, what are you doing? Well, I, no, I, it, it's it's a different kind of pride because it's it's just it's not like I'm proud of, of like all the American stuff. I just I just love this guy and I love his energy and I love that he's. You know, that guy calls him a clown, but he's mm. a showman. And he's like, he's like, I know what you people are here for. Like, let's let's clown around a little bit. Let's have some fun. Like, it's boxing. Like, let's not take it so seriously. Let's have some fun. And unfortunately, he eventually here, you know, he goes up against a guy who is not seeing this as a mm. clown show and is going to give it his all. And then this later going to in define four, his life. He, yeah, he goes he goes up against someone who is just like, I'm going to murder this clown. <laughs> um and and yeah, I mean that sucks, but like I, I just I love his energy. I I think this mm. is so fun. There's also I never clocked this before, but you know it cuts back to like Rocky and Mickey, and they're kind of like this guy. Like get a load of him, you know? Like oh, he looks yeah. like a big, and it's almost like Shakespearean because it's like that happens in Shakespeare plays. Is someone will be doing a show, a play, and then the characters will be like making asides and like, right. cracking. Letting the audience know, like, oh yeah, you you can you can you can laugh at this a little bit. Like this is kind of mm. ridiculous. Um yeah. but it's so tragic because you're right, like Apollo is not he did not wake up this morning thinking, I'm about to have one of the most difficult, mm. painful fights of my whole life. He did not career. at any point right. drink five raw eggs in anticipation of this fight. Right. Like it, the, I, I <laughs> almost doubt he got up and did a single stretch before he came out. Like he's just like Whatever, yeah, you know, it's a it's a paycheck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like I'm, I'm gonna to come fight. out here. I'm gonna throw Popeye moves. I'm gonna like swing my mm. arms around mm. and like you know yeah. act like a dork. I'm doing this guy a yeah. favor. Yeah, right. And it must right. be like we have to, you know, right. the fact to in terms of trying to read any kind of symbolism as well. Like Rocky going up a guy literally wrapped in you know dressed up as Uncle Sam in uh, wrapped in the American flag the whole time. Like it really feels like I feel like they're trying to say something <laughs> with this uh, this symbiology here, but you know they've been too subtle with it the, in a weird way. And the crowd loves it. Like, and even the uh-huh. the commentators are like, "Oh, Apollo Creed, you gotta love him. He just knows how to put on a good show." You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. He has. But- a, he literally has an outfit change in the middle of this entrance. <laughs> That's like, true. He yeah. comes out as George Washington, uh- takes that outfit off, and now he's Uncle <laughs> Sam. Like, it's crazy. <laughs> There's this part where he's like, I want you. I mean, they're like, well, he appears to be saying, I want you, in reference to the uh, World War II. There's a popular uh, recruitment post with Uncle Sam. Like, yeah, no. We, <laughs> we, we get what he's doing. Oh, um, and that's kind of the arc of the fight, is Apollo slowly coming to terms with, oh, shit, this guy's actually trying. Mm. Yeah. I might have to actually try as yeah. well. Yeah. Right. Should also point out too uh, one detail that really struck me this uh, this watch was every time I cut back to Adrian, uh, knowing that that's uh, yes. Jason Schwartzman's mom, uh, and she's basically wearing a proto Max Fisher outfit with the red beret yeah. and the black <laughs> yes. jacket and the white shirt. It's like it got to so much to the point. I was kind of like, I don't know, you guys covered all of Wes Anderson, so it's like, did he at any point go when he knew he had Jason Schwartzman like? I want to throw in a little Rocky nod here. You know, if you put a red a red beret on no, top of that, not... outfit, look what I got here. Yeah, I'm a little bummed. Talia Shire has never been in a Wes Anderson film. Yeah, yeah, not too late. I mean, I, I you know, 
Uh, she doesn't act much anymore, right. and I don't know yeah. if that's by choice or not. Because, yeah. like, her sons literally, like, direct stuff, and they don't put her in it. So mm. I don't know. I just don't know. We'll see. Yeah. If she ends up in Me- Megapolis, then we know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I I love whenever they cut back to her underground and the locker, just all the sound drops out, and you can just hear like the faint roar yeah, of the crowd. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, because it's just the two um, halves of this guy's life. You know, it's all the it's the fight, yes, and then yeah. the the intimate, quiet relationship that he has with his very intimate, quiet partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, cut me, Mick. Mm. Classic. Yeah. Brutal. Classic. Uh, I love yeah, Stallone's little like, uh, like when they when he when he does cut it, he does like yeah. react like it's still. It was always this, it's this thing that right. stayed with me too of just like, Ugh. like I've I've sat through the goriest yeah. horror movies <laughs> and stuff and been fine, but the idea of like yeah, slitting open is like, oh jeez, oh what the oh what if it went too deep? Oh yeah. god, like that that gush of blood that you see. Yep. Yeah, because um, it's all under pressure; it just shoots out. Ugh. Yeah, and yeah. so. The fight, the climax of the fight is like Rocky's down and Creed's like, fucking finally, this dude, you know, and he gets up. He can barely stand. He's wobbling. And Apollo's like, this fucking guy, I don't know. And he just gets like two good hits into the ribs. I think he, I think Apollo's like, he broke my rib. My my rib is broken. And that was the moment that he Mm. won. Like the crowd's chanting Rocky. Because it's like this dude is awesome. He won't stay yeah. down. He just broke Apollo's Apollo Creed's ribs. Yeah, uh, and then yeah, Apollo's like, "We're not doing this again. There's gonna, there ain't gonna be no rematch." <laughs> yeah. And he's expecting the uh, and, like, the Arrested he, Development and, narrator to come in. Like there was, <laughs> <laughs> there would be, there was. I think um, there's a then, there's not a place place. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, and just a quick note, like the the track and the soundtrack is going the distance. Mm-hmm. And it's like, cause he's literally doing the work. And I think there's a reason that like the score kicks in when the fight's mm. over. Mm-hmm. We're going to hear it six times. <laughs> Scott. And the reason it kicks in, it doesn't kick in when he, when he wins. Cause he doesn't win, but it's like, he did it. He ended, he went mm. the distance. Yeah. The bell rings. And I the think that starts. movie, it's yes. almost a momentum of the music. It has a kind of like a gush feeling. Of just like it's been holding back the whole time, and then when he finally does, it's yeah. like, duh, 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 no, hey, we're gonna let go, like, hey, let it all come out. <laughs> well, and it, and also everyone rushing into yeah. the ring, yeah. like yeah. that that entire vibe, man. It's just mm-hmm. like it's euphoric. It really is. And um, then, you know, Adrian, Rocky, you know, right. like just he's getting more and more desperate. She's getting more the most emotional we've seen her the whole movie. Um, right. And then it's, I love you. I love you, too. Mm. Cut. <laughs> well, it, technically, it's what happened to your hat. I love you. I love <laughs> you, too. <laughs> you, too. Yeah, sure. yeah. you find it was picked up by Max, and... Fisher's, Max Fisher's actual mother, and she would keep that hat for years until she gave it to her son <laughs> in the 1998. Yes. Yeah. And, yeah, and then it won yep. Best Picture. And then it won Best Picture. And it was nominated um, for like, I, a is... ton of stuff as well. Like, it was how many? Yeah, 10 Ten mm. nominations. Was Stallone um, nominated won... for Best Actor? Yes. Okay. Yes. Had no chance of winning because it was like you know going to be no. Yeah. It seems like no one ever wins the first time they're nominated, unless like actresses do because they got to win when they're in mm. their twenties, of course. <laughs> right. <laughs> but but then but then like actors like it's like if you're not in your forties, you're not yeah. going to win. Um, it's it just seems 
like that'd that, be great though if he didn't even get a nomination um, just all the MGM suits are just sitting glaring at Stallone like so we could have made it without you <laughs> like we could have could have just bought yeah. the script and had Rob, Robert Redford could be up there right now accepting that award but <laughs> yeah so, so nominated the Italian for, Stallion <clears throat> nominated for best sound best original song best film editing uh, best original screenplay best supporting actor for both Burgess Meredith and Burt Young Best Actress for Talia Shire, Best Actor for Sylvester Stallone, Best Director, and Best Picture. It won for Best Picture, Best Director, and Best mm. Film Editing, which wow. can't can't be mad yeah. at any of those. I will also um, note, too, that no, uh, sure. I discovered during our last season on uh, Batman and Robin, uh, where we talked a lot about Arnold Schwarzenegger, for obvious reasons. Uh, but I know uh, Rocky also cleaned up at the Golden Globes, but it was the night that the... St- Stallone Schwarzenegger uh, feud began uh, because the same year uh, Arnie actually won Best Newcomer Actor uh, for Stay Hungry uh, up against Stallone. And because if you know Arnold Schwarzenegger and you've seen like, you know, Pumping Iron, he gets into people's heads. Like he he kind of he <laughs> psychologically torments people. That's kind of one of his things. Yeah. And even though Rocky won yeah. everything else, Arnie got into Stallone's head in that night. About him beating him <clears throat> at you know newcomer actor so much so that behind the scenes, bum. Stallone ended up flinging a bowl of flowers at Arnold Schwarzenegger's head. He was that angry with him, yeah. uh, and so yeah, right, right from the go, these two guys they, hated, <laughs> they would end up hating each other, and of course down the line would grow into the, the friendship that would last the ages and stuff. But uh, yeah, 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 just yeah, one of the greatest just. Like when you really could just pull the most expensive pranks on someone, like the the stopper my mom will shoot oh, story, yeah. legendary. You're talking about like yeah. Stallone always being the underdog because again, looking into that feud, it was Arnie was always the victor. He was all like Stallone would try to do right. things and Arnie would never fall for them. And then it would always be like, yeah, I got him the star in Rhinestone, and I got him the star in Stopper My Mom Will Shoot. And Arnie will sit and tell the story, like, <laughs> chuckling and, you know, puffing on a cigar. And it'll cut to Stallone telling the same story, and he'll be really like, yeah, yeah, you're going to got me with that one. <laughs> it's like, yeah, he, oh, even at his height, the guy was getting ground down by an even bigger asshole down the road. I'm glad, yeah, Arnold was the, I'm glad he was the Bugs Bunny of that relationship. <laughs> yeah. Man, we're never um, really going to talk about Arnold, are we? I guess the Terminator is kind of like his one yeah, franchise. Yeah, I think you guys could do Terminator. Yeah. 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 some mm-hmm. point, maybe. I'm looking forward um, to your coverage and, um, you know, uh, <laughs> eventual mental um, decline doing yeah. uh, all the Police Academy movies so, eventually. <laughs> but, oh, God. It has been said, and maybe this is kind of a generational thing, like I'm sure Gen Z could give a shit, but for a while, you could kind of go up to any movie fan of a certain age and say, are you a Stallone guy or a Schwarzenegger oh, yeah. guy? Oh, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, Niall, would, would you consider yourself either, either one? The thing is, I, oh, I always find myself torn because I know Stallone's a, a, technically the better artist because he, he writes as well. So he's kind of, he's got that mm-hmm. going for him where Arnie's just like, he just, you know, will star in whatever. But I always tipped over into Arnie territory because I think he has the more better movies. So it's like a lot of a lot of Arnie movies I'd rather watch over a Stallone movie. So, but that's not to say I don't love both of them. Like the, you know, I'm happy that they they made their peace and that they're making Expendables yeah. movies and stuff together. Because like, yeah, an escape yeah. plan. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, and Scott, I don't even have that. I don't have to ask. No, yeah, you, you really don't. Because, um, because, because while while uh, uh, Schwarzenegger might have like better hits, um, I would rather watch any Rocky movie over anything that's the ones or that over anything Schwarzenegger's mm. ever made. I did find so, that though again through doing the last season because um, we had on uh, a lady Doris Weiss who is uh, German. And I was saying, oh, is there a real national pride for, um, you know, for Arnie? And she's like, no, because Germany hates Austria and Austria hates Germany. And so I was cracking jokes. I'm like, oh, so like when like, you know, Terminator 2 was coming out, you guys would just have like huge posters of like Cobra and stuff up everywhere. And she was like, yeah, <laughs> Germany hates Arnold Schwarzenegger because he's Austrian. <laughs> so, wow. And they, they are very wow. pro. Um, they'd have your back, Scott. They're pro Stallone country. Yeah. yeah, they love Copland. <laughs> Everyone should love love Copland. It's a great movie. It's, you know, I'm kind of sad. Right. It seems to have kind of fallen through the cracks. Like when uh, everyone was raving about Logan, it was uh, you know not many people were mentioning Copland. It's like yeah, the guy he's proved that he can do this once already. Like James Mangle has made oh, a masterpiece yeah. already once in his career. You know, now he's just done it twice. And you know, like Rambo. John Rambo in First Blood specifically definitely falls into the spat upon Stallone underdog. Mm. Yeah. Where, but I would argue that it's not until Copland that we really see Stallone even get the chance to play like a real human yeah. again. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I guess the first First yep. Blood, like at the end, he gets. Although the legend always goes that the scene in this movie where he's yelling through the door at Mickey, apparently Stallone was improvising a lot of that. And then at the end of First Blood, wow. when he finally does break down and he talks about his friend, you know, losing his legs and stuff. Not that it's over. Apparently that was improvised by yeah. Stallone as well. So, you know, maybe that's just in his wheelhouse. But the guy can play. He plays great human characters. It's just that he has this – well, he had this monstrous physique that made him, you know, tethered him to uh, Superman basically the whole time. Mm-hmm. Right. Scott, closing thoughts on Rocky One. Um – phenomenal movie i mean it is it is it holds up it is it is a really phenomenal film and um i'm excited to keep going i can't i can't wait to watch rocky 2 which Mm -hmm. is the one that i have like the most soft spot Mm. for i think um for reasons that will very personal reasons we'll go into um next week yeah but uh yeah can't wait I, i love this movie it's so good and uh, Niall, it's been so great having you on the show again. Do you have any any closing thoughts on Rocky or the franchise? Uh, no, no. I think I've said my, my piece. Uh, I will say, though, just in terms of like, you know, that year at the Oscars, that's a tough crowd. Like Going up against like Network and Taxi Driver is like, oh, those are two yeah. absolutely great movies. But the fact that I would be like, yeah, you know, yeah, Rocky probably deserved that win. Like, that, that's it, 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 it's the more, yeah, I, I will give it to them as well. Uh, it's also um, worth noting that there is a very high possibility that if you if you really like sat down and calculated all out, um, and I don't know that anyone has ever done this, but if you really calculated this out, um, it is very very likely that Rocky is the the best picture winner with the lowest mm. budget. Like, there's there's never been a a best picture winner with that winner, low yeah. of a budget. Yeah, winner. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah, that'd be yeah. that'd be fun. That'd be a fun hole to dive mm. dive into. <laughs> but the, yeah, be a lot of a lot of math and conversion mm. rates. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was like, how much did Little Miss Sunshine? Oh, Little Miss Sunshine didn't mm. win the best picture. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. But I will yeah. I will also just say though, just have infinite love for the cat, the character specifically of 
Rocky Balboa as well. And so much as like yeah. you know, loved them throughout childhood, and then went through that gap where you know, they just weren't making the movies, and I wasn't particularly watching them. And then when he comes around in Rocky Balboa, mm-hmm. and you see him in the restaurant being really avuncular with everyone, and just like everyone in Philly loves him, and you're like, oh. I love that guy, too. So much so that in, like, the first Creed movie where there's this looming threat that Rocky might be sick, I was like, no, don't do this to me. Don't don't kill Rocky. Yeah. I, can't, I can't take that. Yeah. And like, well, spoilers. <laughs> thankfully, we're, we were spared that. But uh, although, as you say, we might not be seeing them again. So, uh, um, full fingers fingers right. crossed, though, they work something out because I would like to get the guy to get a good – that character to get a good proper send-off. Right. I would argue he gets like three proper send offs, but we'll <laughs> we're we'll gonna get a fourth. We're gonna get a fourth, <laughs> we'll get there, a fourth yeah. one. <laughs> well, the the problem is he keeps getting he keeps adding another one, and then it's like, well, that wasn't a good yeah. send off, so now we got to do another one. You know, so I want just, him, yeah, the turtles and the the remains of the robot to walk off into the sunset. <laughs> he's, he's gonna he's gonna go to a, a, a cemetery. There's gonna be two little tombstones that like Captain Link. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I have a pitch for what I would want from a final Rocky movie, but it's it's one that I would only want and, and no one else would agree. <laughs> you would probably agree with me, Nick, but like no most people wouldn't. Um cool, maybe I'll cool. talk about it on our uh, between episode at the end of this miniseries, but can't yeah. wait. Can't wait to talk about the life of Rocky Balboa on uh, this season on franchiseography. But uh, for now, thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah. Um, Niall, do you want to – where can people uh, hear you? Do you got a new season of uh, Batman? Uh, well, coming? actually, at the minute, we have uh, the f- like four seasons of Batman available, which is the 89 through 97 uh, film. So we completed Batman right. and Robin earlier this year. We're currently on hiatus, but Congrats. releasing hiatus episodes. We will be back uh, down the line uh, – actually, it's down the line probably you know, in a couple of months' time – with uh, Mask of the Phantasm we're delving into. Uh, uh, but yeah. in the meantime, uh, you can also hear, if not just our hiatus episodes, where we're covering random stuff on the Batman and feed. Uh, me and my uh, co-host John are starting a side project, uh, a side movies by minutes, uh, where it's just me, just 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 me and John, uh, but talking about the forgotten and then re refound craptacular classic Miami Connection. Uh, minute by minute, uh, and uh, by the time wow. this episode airs, we'll be that'll be ready to to roll. Like we've we've banked a lot of episodes, and uh, now it's finally we're finally ready to birth Miami minutes into the world. So uh, if you're unfamiliar with Miami Connection, please do look it up. Uh, amazing movie, amazing story behind the movie, uh, and it's I think it's free on YouTube. It's just you just find it. It's just there. Um, but yeah, so if wow. you're not if Batman's not your thing, you can find us there as well. <laughs> talking about my connection <laughs> uh well thank, thanks for oh, joining us very now. very very happy anytime guys and i also i'm i'm really looking forward to when you were saying you're covering rocky i was like oh i can't wait to listen to that season so i'm uh i'm happy to, to, to hear the rest yes. of the episodes that come after this one yeah thank you absolutely um all right well uh duelinggenre.com slash support it's the patreon um you guys know the deal uh, but uh, this episode's long enough, I think. So uh, we'll save the spiel for a future episode. Uh, thanks so much for listening, and uh, we'll talk to you next week with Rocky 2. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.